Hello and welcome to episode 262 of the Crate and Crowbar. My name is Chris Thurston and joining me tonight is Tom Senior. Hello. Alex Wiltshire. Hi. And Tom Francis. Hello. We're all here. Wow. Wow. Two Toms. Two Toms. One Alex. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a while. It's been all of us together. Yeah. It's the four of us. Yeah. This specific four group of people. It probably hasn't been that long. It feels like it. Yeah. I've been rather absent. I'm yeah, gonna, where have I you apologize. been? I've been in my room. Uh, <laughs> couldn't get out. <laughs> I could, just couldn't get out. I was in front of my computer, typing words into it mostly. Mm. A likely story. Mm. <laughs> where have you been, Tom? Uh, I've been... Just on the podcast recently. Oh, on the podcast recently? Yeah. Um, I feel like I was on fairly recently. Yeah, you were on the last one. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was talking about Forza Horizon <laughs> on the last podcast. Yeah, I just wanted to see if I could, if you remembered. No, uh, barely, apparently. <laughs> I don't remember anything I say on this thing. No, no, me neither. Uh, but we should talk about some computer games because it's what we came here to do. In the news today. Oh, it sounds so solemn. <laughs> yeah. In the news. In the news. Today. In our Tragic games. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's a Command & Conquer remastered <laughs> in uh, brutal acronym fight with this podcast. As CNC <laughs> starts to mean the thing it meant originally again <laughs> for the second time. Um, yeah, they're, they're doing remasters of the original CNC and Red Alert, which means they're doing remasters of Red Alert, because that's the one you want to play. For sure. <laughs> and then we, um, we talked about Blizzard a lot in the last podcast, but we didn't actually talk very much about the Warcraft 3 remaster that's happened. Right, yeah. yeah. So it's, it's the time for, let's remaster all the R- RTSs and see if we can get this market going again, maybe. <laughs> we'll get that, that classic that fight nostalgia. going again. Yeah. Blizzard, Do you think they're yeah. explorative then? Like, sort of, trying to testing out the market because no i think well, they, there's, i think there's a guaranteed nostalgia buck there yeah, yeah and then yeah. If, if that comes out of it then great i feel like blizzard had a kind of resistance uh, this might be a separate thing but with world of warcraft you know people were, were uh setting up their own wow classic servers and their blizzard was kind of shutting them down and then saying no we wouldn't do that we're like well, you, you think you want that but you don't want that and now they're officially doing it and it's like a big thing now please please want that because we <laughs> and it feels like uh, I don't know if this is true, but it almost feels like, you know, a barrier is broken and they're like, well, okay, fuck it. We'll just do all the old stuff. <laughs> People just want the old stuff. Let's do the old stuff again. Yeah. Like it's interesting because, uh, I'm, I'm gonna, I completely lost my thread like halfway it, through it, that it, thought. You're right. It is interesting. <laughs> I should say, uh, it's not that Blizzard has stopped doing new stuff. They're still doing loads of new stuff too, but, but it's, it's, it's the fact that. When they did show the new thing, they'd been working on the Diablo Immortal. Diablotal. Diablotal. That's what everyone hated, and everyone was excited about the uh, the, the, the old thing. thing. But yeah, separate but crowds. They thing. wanted, of course, hmm. Diablo Four. But ah. yeah, yeah, we, we, yeah, we we dragged over that big old pile that of carcass. shitty leaves full of babies I, last week. I started to read an article about Warcraft Three Remastered because I wanted to know: Are there like gameplay changes does it is actually going to play differently are they sort of modernizing it in some way um and i read like 500 words and didn't find out anything about what they're changing so <laughs> except, apparently except, like the arts apparently it's gonna be very close mechanically to the original oh they're taking out the zoo in the uh you know the mission where like uh arthas has to slaughter all the infected villages and it's like this big turning point in, in his story are they taking yeah. out? there's a zoo and a statue of a dolphin in that city <laughs> they're getting rid of those because they feel like they're silly <laughs> <laughs> they feel like they're silly yes they feel like they're silly yes Oh, I, I'm sorry about. Does it take away from the gravitas of the moment? <laughs> <laughs> and there was a statue of a dolphin there. <laughs> I really like this uh, remaster simply because I didn't play Warcraft Three. I didn't that play surprises Warcraft. me. I, I, yeah, it's like it's such a fundamental kind of RTS 
classic and i've never actually found a way to play it but part of, part of that is because it's quite hard to play the original warcraft 3 now and um the idea of them just do, redoing the original with all the same mechanics but with uh, you know really upgraded character models and resolution support options and just general install options like it's absolutely bang on for what i'd like to do. it really yeah. feels like the start of modern blizzard like i feel like that was the first one mm. where it's very character driven there's like a bunch mm. of just named characters who are a huge deal in the plot and it's all about them and their interactions and stuff and um they put a lot of work in those character designs and there was like a hero driven um game mechanically as well like the heroes were, were so powerful that there they were missions where you're just controlling them and a few cohorts and that's kind of the path they've gone down since like world of warcraft is also very character driven and obviously overwatches in a huge way um and moved away from like um the olden days i mean that I played all of the Warcraft games like when they came out and um actually weirdly nostalgic for Warcraft 2 in particular because it was this strange mm. Warcraft 1 had been quite conservative by the standards of the rest and then Warcraft 2 was just like there's naval battles and there's giant naked ogres and yeah. everything was just kind of mad it just like it really uh blew up and then Warcraft 3 almost reined it in a little bit in that it was <laughs> rain it in of chaos <laughs> um it was a more serious looking thing and this was that, that was after starcraft wasn't it yeah starcraft was character driven starcraft was probably the, the yeah where did starcraft fall was that after before warcraft after 2 warcraft 2 it was like 98 or something like yeah. that or 99 that's crazy because like that. in my head I, i'd love to see it again because in my head warcraft 2 uh at the time to me it seemed like really high res 2d art like i, I picture it as being almost like uh, the style of Spelunky, where it's like sort of cartoonish and very characterful and like beautifully crisp. And of course, it would not be if it's pre-Starcraft. Like Starcraft is fucking the remaster of Starcraft looks like ass. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think also Starcraft has a problem with palette, right? Like Starcraft is grey things on a yeah. brown plane. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which yeah. Whereas at least Warcraft was green. <laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting. I think it was also the point where RTS became kind of pleasant to play because if you go yeah. back to, I did actually have a little tinkle on. Um, Warcraft one, I think it was Warcraft two, a few months ago. Oh God, <laughs> just so much clicking hmm. on one side of the screen, and then a click on the other side of the screen, and back, and <laughs> it's just really quite horrible. Yeah, yeah. for me, the biggest ideological difference in those wars between Command and Conquer and Warcraft was, and correct me if I get this wrong, around. Um, in Warcraft, you left click to select things and right click to issue orders. <laughs> yep. And in CNC, you left click for both. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. And I feel that doesn't be resolved because into the breach, you left click for everything. But XCOM, you left, you right click mm, to issue orders. That's right, yeah. 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 I think I prefer the right click thing. What do you guys think? <sighs> this is, might be the device, most divisive. It's too heavy a topic. We might get into <laughs> Maybe a massive fight. Stay, stay away from this. <laughs> I like right click because I find that left clicks rely a lot on the cursor changing and not a visual, where yeah. as I instinctively feel in a tactile sense that right click is going to do something, act, act yeah. like someone else. Yeah, like give a, like select and give a command or seem like a good thing to divide up. Yeah, I like yeah. choose and do as separate things. Yeah, yeah exactly. I particularly dislike in, you know, for example, uh, action RPGs where, or, or even like turn-based RPGs where you're selecting a skill with left click and then left clicking on the enemy to actually deliver the skill. Um, because that, like, that feels like that should be a separate action to me. And I can make mistakes much more easily by left clicking on the, ra- mm. uh, the wrong thing in the middle of all this menu fussing than I can with the right click, yeah. which is, yeah. here's what I really want to do now. Right click, kill that thing. Also, I think, I think Blizzard games also were a little bit more reliant on key, key memorizing keyboard shortcuts than Commander Conquer was. Cause I was definitely a Commander Conquer kid until Warcraft 3 mm. and then I switched mm. over. And I remember not worrying so much about like, 
keyboard shortcuts and just remembering that this particular unit is on R or whatever right. in Command and Conquer. But it might have to be because I was bad at Command and Conquer. I don't <laughs> know for sure. I, I, I was always just a massive turtle. I, I used to have Total Annihilation as well because it was just about just building as many robots as you can and just sort of like pushing them up the map and watching these sprites yeah. obliterate one another. And I'd like a remaster of that. That would be lovely, yeah. That's kind of what Planetary Annihilation was supposed to be. Yeah, like. I think that was closer to Supreme... Well, no, yeah, I suppose it was a bit of both. But it was so nuts, like the 3D planet mm. was just changed everything. It was like I still get so different. I backed Planetary Annihilation on Kickstarter, and I still get updates from the developers. Yeah, they're now. doing something, but like I have them for like the last like what feels like ten years of my life. Like, <laughs> like I think the company have moved on, but now a bunch of modders of Planetary Annihilation have teamed up with some of the devs or former devs, and they're sort of uniting to like do a i guess a remaster of that or, or sort of bring it back to life and i know and yeah but that's what's weird about it it's like i have uh, i think i backed it quite soon after it went on kickstarter because i was excited about it and i've like i've experienced that game's entire life cycle through the kickstarter backers newsletter <laughs> it's like surely those things could come to an end at some point. <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah like they're, they're dead they, their eternal debt to you yeah exactly. will never be paid <laughs> they must tell me what they're doing they're at locked. all times forever <laughs> you've started a curse upon them <laughs> yeah. you must Email them yes. to break it. Yeah, why must we feed the newsletter, grandfather? Well, you're my grandfather made a promise many years ago <laughs> that if people gave him $200,000, he would make a robot game. And he did, and it was all right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was but the, a little bit forgettable. Yeah. <laughs> but we the must debt. not forget. But the debt must be paid. <laughs> the newsletter must go out every week. Dev update, it must say. Number 485, part B. We've added a robot, it must say, (laughs) upon the moon. (laughs) Thank you. Never forget to say thank you. If you do do a Kickstarter, like... There must be a point where you go, I think it's okay just to switch off the Kickstarter now. That's such a weird relationship because yeah. you, you've like, you've got the money and you're yeah. not going to get anything mm. else out of the, the game. The really. game came out, but then everyone kind of, oh, but you, there's certain things you promised and you've got to do those. Yeah. And then do you carry on going after that? <laughs> Speaking of things that are going to go on forever, um, <laughs> uh, Jason Rora released one hour, one life on to Steam. Yeah. Um, which, not even early access, but which is the game I've been long. playing this week as well. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Oh, really? I can, cool. I can talk about it if you like. But yeah, he's committed to doing uh, two years of weekly updates to it, and when, which yeah. is insane. Yeah, when we explain <laughs> what that game is, that's not something we can talk about it now if you like. Might as well. Might as well. Yeah, well, well, well. Yeah. Yeah, so, so yeah, so um, so one hour, one life. Because when I first saw it, I, I thought like it's you know sequel to Minute, like you know the sort of like this sort of similar concept, but it's not really. It's more like a sort of multiplayer, don't starve. But with this experimental, experimental sort of Jason Roy thing kind of yeah. on top of it. So the way it works is it is a, uh, like a 2D survival game in a sort of generated open world where you, everything is hand drawn, like on graph paper and all the sound effects are, I think, Jason Roy going like, yeah, he's done literally everything himself. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, uh, you live, uh, entire lifetime if you can in, 60 minutes because every minute that passes you age by a year and uh, the actual sort of mechanics of the game are basically crafting trees it's it's combining items and trying not to starve to death uh with you know some sort of like sort of additional uh survival things like if you get too hot or too cold your hunger drains faster and, and so on so it's that kind of you know balancing needs pyramid of needs while also trying to go up a tech tree so that your needs are easy to take care of so you can go up the tech tree kind of thing 
The twist is that it is multiplayer, um, and sort of, and persistent. So, um, but I think in sort of like different servers. So when a server, be- it's easiest to explain, I think, from the point of view of a new server, because when you, if you happen to go to play and the game spawns you as the first person in the server, you will always start as, I think, like a 15 year old woman. Um, like, yeah. so into just like the beginning of sort of adulthood, basically. And so you can do most of the things in the game. Um, at some point when other players join, a baby just pops out of you <laughs> and they're a baby. Because that, that's why you need to be of childbearing age because yeah. you can only have children, the children come from adults. Yeah. And, um, and that first, uh, it's the, she is always called Eve, the first woman in the server and she can specify her own surname and player names are set by the parent. So you go up to your child and say, you are name. And they are that is that that name of that player, and babies can't do fucking anything. Babies can run around because and um and breastfeed when well they can be breastfed and that's oh, you it. Can cry. Well, no. What happens is because you can type chat messages, but the younger they are, the fewer characters that's you it, get. Yeah, that's oh, that's nice. That's <laughs> and so babies only get one character, and, and basically whatever happens when they use a character, it just goes like uh it, they just cry, and they need feeding, and. And so it, and it's just, and then, so the idea that the, the, the large scale idea is that is this precarious leap of protectory because even an experienced player is going to die after about 60, 70 minutes. Mm. Like, so you need to pass on enough knowledge about what your plan is for surviving <laughs> to a generation you may never see again. And the idea is that it goes from like, you start off na- literally naked in the woods, like, and you go through like sort of, you know, stone age all the way up the tech tree. And the trailer shows it going all the way up to the future and nuclear death robots and stuff. Mm. And the weekly expansions he adds are going to take it further and further and further into the future forever as in, in order to, it, it's, it's in some ways a gigantic folly because that stuff is <laughs> catering probably to a very small set of the most successful players while yeah. most people struggle. This sounds like it, a Jason Rora game. Yeah. <laughs> but actually I, I, I've only played like, an hour or so and that's a lot of different lives but every single one so far has been legit brilliant i don't know if that matches your experience with that so i was i was played it really early on um and i think that a lot of quite a few things have worked didn't exist at that point um so you could talk but i think that he severely restricted the amount that you could communicate because i think initially he wanted the kind of culture of a of a settlement to exist through what was there and watching people work. But I think that that was really hard to communicate because there are quite a few things that you make that depend on certain modes of like action. So, oh, in this community, we always stack uh, the apples here and that's where you'll find them in order to go to the thing to make the thing. And then that becomes a thing. Don't ever put them there. You can take this food to eat because you have to eat, uh, a lot. All the time, a lot, yeah. especially when you're young, you need constantly to be eating. And then when you're older, it's less frequent, but you still need to eat. And, but you don't want to be eating stuff that's been planned for being planted because you'll completely fuck the entire yeah, settlement if you dies, eat. Yeah. yeah. So like, <laughs> no, no. there are all these rules to the, to the communities. And if you couldn't really communicate it with text, it was actually quite difficult. So I think that's been, that was added subsequently and i didn't really get that many good lives when i was playing it was a few of them were good but you really depend on um i had so many lives where 
a parent never found me or never a parent never came over to pick me up to feed me uh, did, so when you when you're a baby um, a parent has to pick or a woman mm. character has to pick you up and then that's effectively sort of giving you milk and you're then puts you back down again yeah they tell you to stay in one place don't wander off just stay where you are so the parent can come back and kind of yeah keep, keep an eye on you but um constantly i just got forgotten and um <laughs> And like he was Aww. like really, and you sort of help. You are utterly helpless, like <laughs> intentionally so. He's watching himself die. Like, right? I'll be starting another life then. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is the thing. So, like, my first life, I made some notes on my whiteboard, so I have to turn around. Um, my first life, I spawn in the forest, and <laughs> my mother picks me up and says, "You're screwed." <laughs> <laughs> and so my name was screwed, and like, <laughs> um, and then I chased her around for a while. Um, and, but she really wasn't keen. And then <laughs> Let it go. she picked me up, basically ran me into the middle of the desert and then left me there. And that was that. <laughs> I died. The end. Next life, I spawned in the middle of a farm, surrounded by people who were all wearing woolen clothes. And I was like, oh boy. I hit the big time. <laughs> and you can mouse over any player and it tells them who you, they are to you. Like, this is your second cousin. Oh. This is your sister. This is your big sister. This oh, is your mom. Oh, that's new as well. That's cool. Like, because yeah. it, obviously it's one big family. So, you know, family tree. And <laughs> the first thing my mother said to me was, sorry, I'm new. <laughs> <laughs> and then I died <laughs> of starvation. <laughs> wow, you are new. <laughs> yeah. Like, it, it was a well-accounted, but no one, like, I was just like, eh. And then the best thing about this is, because you can only type one letter as a baby. You can try and communicate with like Y and N for yes and no and stuff. <laughs> but a lot of the time it's like, how the fuck do I express I want food? Like other than typing anything. You said this, the, the, the old way was just F. Well, yeah, exactly. F, 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 but, F, F, F. but, but you just go like, F, <laughs> and then you actually get two characters, then it's foe. But it does like, it, because F, like, be, a, enemies? A, a, a single, <laughs> he's swearing at us. What a nasty well, little because boy. a single capital F is like, sh- you know, is shorthand for fuck. Like that is what that means. You just follow up people going, go, at them it's great um what was life three? Oh, life three was when i was eve and that happened all out of the sun so i was and then i oh, was shit. but i spawned in the hostile place i was in the middle of the desert so wait, you just sort of like say start game or something and it decides whether you're starting a new server or whether any server yeah else. you'll never go back to the same server. Right. They, um, cool. he was saying way back that um uh he he was wondering how long people how how many generations uh like a, a community could or like a, a <laughs> might not need survive. that future content <laughs> yeah exactly mm-hmm. and they, they only survived sort of i don't know i can't remember how many it was just it was quite a low number of um of, of generations because it's really hard like yeah. to 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 work together when your life is so short and you're depending on so many kind of you know You've got to do this, otherwise... And the player base is only going to dwindle, right? I mean, yeah. like that's what the pattern most games follow, unless they're yeah. like a super addictive... That's the thing, game. it will be left with just like a hardcore group of people who are good at it. Because I think that's how it was the before. Yeah. That's how it was, because I kept going on the forums just, just to see whether, whether it was going okay. Hmm. And yeah, it was like, obviously populated by a very small number of people on the forums kind of you know very yeah. regularly involved it's that kind of game it's going to attract some real kind of passionate I think, yeah but I, I do like i do think there is a fun loop like every single it life is, i yeah. had so like as eve i ran around for a bit in the desert unable to find any food for myself whatsoever um and and then, <laughs> the end of the and, then and then um and then i found like like some trees but it wasn't like a forest and there were no berries or anything for me to eat and then a baby popped out of me 
And I said to the baby, I'm sorry, I don't know what I'm doing. And the baby, like, rage quit. Like, just, <laughs> <laughs> just, just, like, just sprinted into the, like, just off. Like. <laughs> and then I went and I was like, I got out, found out the way out of the desert, but I went directly into, like, a tundra and froze to death, surrounded by seals. And that was that. And that's the end of that genealogy. Unless that baby managed to miraculously survive. Four awesome wolves. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so that happened. I'm trying to figure out what the other ones were. Um, oh yeah. So the next one, and so this one was my last, my last run. And I, I left it at this because it was such a good one. Uh, this is my, the longest one I've managed. I spawn in the middle of like, uh, like not really a settlement, but just like a, a good collection of things. And my mother is this incredibly harried looking character. Like the characters are randomly generated. It's, it's hand drawn art, but there's obviously different type of hair and, you know, bodies and that kind of thing. Just big frizzy hair just looks hack, like haggard. And, and she's several generations down herself because her name is Hope, I think. So like it was, and her name is Hope Good. <laughs> and, um, and I had like three sisters and they were running around helping. They were like from, from like sort of late, you know, um, so tweens to teens kind of thing. So I was like, I've got a family. Like, and I was, I was the only boy and I, and I was sort of toddling around and, but like, and the first thing my mother says is, are you new? And to which I reply, yes. Why? Basically like, mm, yeah. And it's like, and I like, okay. And then just like follow. <laughs> and so it's following her around, picks me up, keeps me fed. It was good. Lots of people kind of doing things. Uh, at this point, like, um, <laughs> like my sister comes over, and just says name because she didn't have a name yet and then the m- mother picks her up and goes you are ginger and puts her back down again <laughs> she was and like, um and then eventually like um i'm getting fed all the time it's pretty good um and um you get like to the point where you can type four letters and stuff so you can start to sort of say things now i can say fuck at last um and um and then the, the, the defining moment is like um i don't know who, who she was talking about but basically walking over again you're exactly right like the the, the food system's super important uh like my sister ginger says how can i help over the course of like three sentences mm-hmm. and it's like go find string just go find string go make string make rope come back and that's kind of cool watching them scurry off and kind of go try and help in a particular way one person trying to run the whole thing and then walk over to this empty plate and this line of plates and go who ate this fucking omelette <laughs> <laughs> like he idiot ate this omelette go find rabbits and it's like, there's obviously a logic, like a logic I do not perceive. And I'm just, like, this is really how children learn about the world. You want to make an omelette, you got to break some rabbits. <laughs> and like, and I'm following around, getting picked up. I get to like toddlerhood. Alex, you just like. No, 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 something. it's just listening. Yeah. Um, and, and then like, I'm getting bigger and I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm going to, you know, this is great. And I get to the size where mama picks me up and says, you are Achilles. <laughs> yes, I've got the coolest yeah. name. It's like Achilles good. Like, <laughs> and I'm like, oh man, this is great. Like, this could actually keep going. You know, maybe I will eventually take over this, this thing. And I'm running around and, and then, um, she just says, follow. And then she says, can you help yet? And I was like, don't know. I can only say four letter words. So it's don't know. And she tries to give me a stone. And I can't pick it up because I'm too young. So I was like, no, can't help. So, okay, keep running. Keep getting picked up. Still breastfeeding. And eventually I lose track of where she's gone and I'm still completely dependent. Yeah. I can't find my way back to home and I can hear her cause it has like, um, it has, even though it's 2d, it has, uh, like positional sound. So you can hear people's footsteps in the distance and things. And I keep trying to find 
kind of sad really chasing after her i find her and i managed to say the word starve because i was very hungry and i could now say five letters <laughs> <laughs> like um or even six like starve yeah it was six letters because that's kind of important and she turns around and goes to pick me up but i'm at this point exactly too old to be picked up and breastfed so i need actual food and i only have time to type oh well <laughs> because i don't i only have six characters it's oh space w-e-l like just one l so it's just oh well and then and then like you have died <laughs> like aged five cause starvation <laughs> and it was great but i imagine that person being quite sad because they did yeah. put a little bit of effort yeah. in yeah I, so I that, got, all that I was five minutes well. yeah <laughs> yeah i got lost it was really scary like sort of shit 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 they've gone they've gone they've yeah, gone yeah yeah it's sort of there's so much about it that's so uh it's suggestive of being true to to life and the world mm. you know oh this is you know maybe humanity is intrinsically altruistic because in order to get along everyone has to work together you will literally die in this game if you don't help each other um and it's sort of but it, the thing that i struggled with is that that's all bullshit because <laughs> it's literally all jason Moore's design decisions i don't think it's about making a broader point necessarily like the game itself is kind of an experiment i think there are elements of it i i think that i think yeah it is it is an experiment but i think there are elements of it because i think some of it's reflective of his kind of personal politics because he's he's quite a sort of um sort of a libertarian in a kind of a pure 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 rich mm -hmm. kind of way he's you know he believes in an idealistic way maybe idealistic yeah, yeah an idealistic however you choose to phrase that yeah yeah and i think this game is reflective of that idea you know i think less so than castle doctrine mm. yeah i didn't play that yeah. right like yeah. like i because i know that and i didn't, don't really get that vibe from this right, right right because it fits so cleanly into a genre that is very well precedented it it has that don't starve fo yeah, it's format a, it's, a, it's um, a crafting and the, yeah. the multiplayer co-op thing like i kind of get that like i think because i think it's I don't know. I kind of disagree. Like, I think it's a very easy game to write the, this is a reflection of humanity article about, but I feel like that's a bit of a trap. Oh, that, that's what I'm like, kind of saying. You know what I'm saying? Actually. But like, but I don't think it's a set necessarily being set by the developer. Like, I think it is, you know, like the idea is how far could one group get, you know, like if you, if you could keep it going long enough and you, you know, that becomes interesting because it's not just a game about uh, mastering the tech tree or something. It's the fact that you know that, each individual player who participates in it might not be able to participate for more than an hour and may never get back into that server ever. Hmm. So it's about managing that. I mean, I think this is a reason why the idea that it could keep going into the future forever is quite optimistic, but it's an, it's a winching idea to like, how do you establish a system that can teach people how this world works within 60 minutes, hmm. have them meaningfully contribute to it, to allow it to keep working and then pass that forward. And but that it, I find interesting, but I wouldn't, and I think it's really interesting from a game design point of view. But I, it, I mean, it fails like, on that because, because you do need to look, you, you need to look at the wiki. You really do. You can't mm. play that game. You, you know, right, yeah. you can only pick up so much from just watching people because there is a, there the is more a full, he adds, there's, a, there's quite a, a substantial tutorial. Right, right. Because it, it makes right, you do yeah, like a, maybe that's quite a full idea. tutorial before you can play multiplayer. Like, okay, yeah. But there are, I mean, there are loads of nuances and like, there's the yeah, sheer sure. scale of the crafting system, which is, you know, I, he was quite big when I was playing it and he, he's only added more stuff to it since. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So and I think, you know, I, you need experienced players in there kind of passing down the knowledge, you know, to the new players that come in, I think, for it to work. 
Yeah, for sure. Uh, but that's kind of what I'm saying. That's right, interesting. Right. Like, it's not just about, because all that, wherever the knowledge comes from, you still got to pull off the trick of motivating people to keep going. And if only one group of people pulls that off, it's still interesting. Mm. Like, I just think, you know, but I, but I don't think that's a, and this says something about humanity point. I think that's just a, mm. this is a tough game. Like, it's a, yeah. It's funny. Uh, Rora seems to almost specialize in these games where like, if potentially the right players find this, they will have an amazing experience and some will, there'll be like five <laughs> kind of like sleep is death. Was, mm, yeah, was yeah. Absolutely incredible kind of, uh, or, or, yeah, potentially incredible game. And that potential was realized by sort of a few people for a few months and then it stopped. Uh, sleep is death is a game where like one of you is kind of the the dungeon master and the other one is is playing the adventure but the dungeon master has to kind of like make some assets ahead of time and then as the player the other person decides what they want to do you have to hastily sort of figure out how you account for that with like either assets you already made or quickly draw some new ones or um so it's a very free form um but it led to you could export your stories as, as a series of images and there were just some incredible adventures in there just the, like the, the sort of as you get with like you know D podcasts these days um uh, but kind of even wilder and weirder and, and more outlandish. Um, uh, it generated some incredible stories from about 10 people. <laughs> right, yeah. And then I don't think anyone plays it today. And then Castle Doctrine was, you know, a game about making, uh, defending your home with a series of traps and you had a lot of freedom in how you made those traps. And it ended up, I don't know what its state is these days, but, um, there was definitely a problem for a long time where like, it turned out the best defense to make was basically a combination lock because the only restriction on how hard you could make it is you had to be able to solve it. So you had to prove it's it's possible to get into your house by getting into it yourself. And you can use the game's mechanics to kind of make something where you just have to step on the right pressure plates in the right order and that gets you in. And that's basically impossible for anyone else to do, but you can do it. Uh, which is, it's kind of interesting in that like they emergently created the combination lock, but um, it made the game a lot less interesting. And the reason I know about that is because Jason Roy did a, blog post talking about how he was addressing it i don't remember how he's addressing it i really remember <laughs> the nature of the problem um but again like yeah all all three of those games feel like that there's a potentially really cool way to play it and it's happening sometimes for some people but there's a lot of people also just having uh, just not getting to that yeah i think the strength of this although i, I think i think it ultimately have that problem and like it costs uh 10 15 quid i think so it's not maybe like out of the on a whim price range for a lot of people um but there is something genuinely fun about like even that sort of because uh, i read a lot of the steam reviews just out of curiosity because i think a lot of the experience of the game for a lot of people is going to be confusion and dying because no one helped you over and over and over again but like one thing i found heartening and i appreciate this is like an hour's experience so i can't really talk to whether or not, and I imagine this novelty was wear off, but every time I was abandoned as a baby, it was a different kind of experience. <laughs> <laughs> you know what Whole I mean? A range of infant deaths. <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah, I, I, I was exposed in like several different ways by people who were variously, varyingly apologetic about it. <laughs> um, and that, um, that was quite charming. I, I like, it is an interaction with other people that doesn't feel that cynical really because like mm, yeah it's sort of it's mm. quite like no one no one has any incentive in screwing you over it's mm. like yeah that's the interesting thing about it even when you had um you know uh from your experiences it sounds like some of your parents were not the greatest parents no. in the world it, that somehow has a, has a different kind of meaning in a game where 
mechanically they do kind of have to look after you and so when they don't that's almost more interesting than in mm. like you know like some other card game where the right guy now. just goes off and does the thing and ignores you yeah because they've got to feed themselves and look after other people and you know yeah it's a because it's like if they if, age if they do strong out help you out then they gain someone who can help yeah and not because you have to but because you would, I can't what happens yeah. in old age. I suspect in old age you become less than disabled, so you're more dependent on people again. But it's just remember. F again. Yeah. <laughs> back to F. Yeah. <laughs> Does that actually reduce your character count as you get older? I don't know. I don't know. From, no, Ash to Ash Ash from F to F to there. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe it'd be kind of amazing if from you could. F, we there became F like a F. minimum number of characters. You can only talk if you say at least 36 characters. <laughs> you become like an old windbag. <laughs> <laughs> Well, in my day, let me tell you, we didn't get the carrots from the thing. And if we wanted an omelette, we had to kill like seven rabbits for some reason. <laughs> I wonder what the payoff is for being becoming like a little leader of that community for maybe like 27 minutes once yeah. you've grown up and, you know, achieved that position. I think if you do that, I can imagine it being quite satisfying. And I say this as I've never been older than five years old. <laughs> Apart from the right. time I was born 15. <laughs> like a weird start to your memoir, but okay. <laughs> um... But, like, I can imagine it being quite satisfying, like, and this is, like, there are some things about it that make you think differently, maybe about, you know, like, what you value, it, if there was a broader point of it. But, like, the, the, the end state of the game is not seeing the, the robots or something, you know, mm. getting to the future track. Because no one, no, you'd have to be really lucky. You have to be born yeah. in that time or the, at the cusp of it or you're never going to see it. Mm. Um, yeah, the only thing you can hope for is to die of old age having broadly helped. <laughs> and that's actually quite a sweet kind yeah, of yeah, yeah, like yeah, I mean you true. could be the person who gets to old age and then fucking burns the entire <laughs> civilization down eats all the omelettes like scatters all of the berries and stuff to the wind and then just fucks off into the woods like that could be an ending as well hmm. but like that's a kind of fun like th- th- there is a cadence to that like I can imagine if I ever ch- achieved that thinking I've beaten this game like I made it to 60 that's it, it's I think, a, I think the, at 59 years old you should just get up and just walk, walk away. Yeah. And watch them watch like you. Like you hurt dog out, basically. Yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> Depressed penguin out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Drop the microphone you haven't invented yet. Yeah. <laughs> That's an interesting point about the the technology stuff because you know I was already thinking oh that you know only the best um, groups of players are going to see this but as you say even amongst those groups only the latest joining mm. will see it out of those people like you know nineteen ninety nine percent of the like you, I don't think. Presumably you'll spawn on other servers and you won't return. I don't think so. Yeah, maybe you could eventually, but yeah. Hmm. And that's kind of funny in a way because it means that, and you know, I said this game doesn't have anything to say about life and I don't think it really has anything to say that isn't maybe a bit pat. But you could say that tremendous technology could be inherited by a generation of idiots that squander it completely <laughs> and annihilate the world they live in. Like, that could that never happen. To it all. <laughs> <laughs> like, I would like it if, if the worlds themselves were persistent so you could get like, occasionally like a new eve but on a server that did have see i thought that that happened because he was you know when i was doing you'd you'd find settlements had been you know had been left yeah deserted yeah and Mm. he he like rora was talking about kind of that being an important part of the game yeah that'd be cool yeah i I think quite neat to be honest but yeah yeah. Mm. Yeah. 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 So <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah, uh, yeah. One point per age. F. <laughs> um, I realised I derailed news a little bit into that uh, before we got a chance to talk about Void Bastards. Let's talk about Void. Yeah. I'm really excited about it. Yeah. yeah. This is it's like a, 
the rare time when a game was announced and I watched the trailer and thought, oh, that looks cool. And so basically, like, they re- he, the reason why Tom thinks it's cool is because <laughs> they ripped him off. <laughs> it's basically 3D heat signature. It's not quite. It's not quite. I, I would not have made the comparison if they hadn't mentioned it. That's because you're a humble guy. <laughs> and that no, was but a bit it's of not, a humble it's, brag. It's, 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 <laughs> <laughs> it's first person, like, airlocks are involved, but that's about it. <laughs> but you you're going go around, on, you're on going around, generated spaceships, spaceships. If I had invented the airlock, picking I'd be up the loops. first to take credit for it. Mm. And it is My deeply name systemic. Stephen Airlock. <laughs> <laughs> But it's um it's by uh, Blue Manchu, uh, which was founded by John Che, who was one of the co-founders of uh, Irrational. He was director of System Shock Two. Mm-hmm. He uh, was the program on Thief. So like mm. that's one hell of a lineage. Um, Blue Manchu's first game it was 2012-2013 Card Hunter, yeah, which was a, a great game, really, really nice, yeah, t- uh, turn-based strategy um, with a D and D style PC, yeah. Yeah, maybe it's It was on browsers. Yeah, I <laughs> oh, think you're right. series of noises I got to yeah, that question. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think it might have been I, I, as well. I had assumed it was mobile, and so I tried to look it up on my iPad, but it wasn't there. It, it feels like it should be an iPad seated. game, but it was it a lovely was. PC game. Yeah, yeah. it's a really nice free to play game as well. Really generous. Yeah, I thought it was. Yeah, I thought it was really nice for that. Um, so, but he said I, I actually spoke to him yesterday uh, for an article which should be going up maybe tomorrow or something. I don't know, but. um on rock paper shotgun um uh he was saying that card hunter just blew up out of kind of they he was meant to be first game for the new studio let's let's just make a little turn-based strategy i like dnd let's do it style along those lines and then it became multi-year people they got richard garfield and another person from uh, to to consult on it it was sort of absurdly complicated and they kept making expansions and things so so this is the first game after that um and it is a space adventure you play as a criminal on a ship uh you're trapped in a nebula um and your ship is fucked so you've got a loot derelict ships that have also been trapped in the nebula in order to repair your ship and escape and um so you're managing resources your um fuel um food that kind of thing um and you're going onto the derelicts to find special items but also um ammo and stuff and there's a suite of different weapons um cool weapons there's the rifter so you, you you equip three weapons when you go onto a ship you can't pick up so those are what you're going to be using for the whole mission the ammo you have is persistent so whatever you have on the ship is what you're going to be taking into the mission although you can hope that there might be more to pick up in the ship ships you know the kind of things you find in the ships is defined by the type of ship it is like there'll be hospital ships and and di- ships of different kind of uh kind of factions and they'll mm. kind of be slightly different um and uh yeah the the weapons are like the rifter uh which is basically allows you to suck an npc monster or whatever into it and then shoot them back out again and you can do that to maybe remove them all and put them in lock them into a but, room yeah so i saw them say that and they, they use the word npc is that does that mean like when I think of NPC, I think of like someone you talk to, not an enemy. I think they that they enemies? meant enemy. Okay. I'm not sure that they're... I don't know whether there are any characters you actually talk to. Like, technically, but he, an NPC. he definitely 
at least meant monsters and okay. may have meant others as well. I, well, you can also suck up tu- turrets, for instance. It's basically <laughs> the anything <ultimate> NPC. <laughs> in, the, in the thing. Uh, uh, or you can suck them in, put them into an airlock and suck them out, or you can... <laughs> you can suck them in? Yeah, <laughs> suck them in. Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, there's a kind of... The, the weapons, kind of the ones they described, there's another one which is um, like a just shoots out timed bomblets, so like it's just a cluster bomb thing. None of the weapons in and of themselves sound particularly kind of out there, but it sounds like they're interacting with each other, with each other in interesting ways. And they're quite usefully simple. And the reason I think that is probably a good idea is that it's a fast kind of game. It's an action game hmm. where you don't want to be fiddling around with complex hmm. sort of, sort hmm. of fiddly weapons. You kind of want to be acting. Do you know um, how long a ship typically takes? Um, four to five minutes oh wow so uh there is a pause menu and that pauses the game he was saying that that was a kind of a big debate in the in the studio because they he'd he wanted to basically make a system shop game crossed with XCOM, so like a, bit of a FTL, lot of planning with a bit of FTL. Right. So it's a lot of planning and that kind of thing. The ships kind of you'll discover you go onto a map and you'll discover that oh this section is is has been is collapsed, so you can't get through there. So you have to go through here. Oh, but there's a terminal here, that, which means you better learn more. Or maybe there's a map terminal where you can get more information. So grab that. That'll tell you where the loot is. But then on the way, we'll then go to the you know thing where we think you know like items are generally in a place where you'd expect them to be. So he gave the example of a air condenser, like a, which will help you craft stuff or something on your ship. And this will, uh, you'll probably find that in the hab kind of module on a ship. So you'll kind of have an inkling that you'll be going there from looking at that. So there's lots of planning like that. Um, and that pauses the game. And they're wondering whether should it pause? Should the mm. game pause? Yes, it should be yes, working. Yes, yeah, really should. <laughs> times, and, yes. Yes, yes, it pauses. Um, uh, so that's one side of the game. The other, the, the, they've, you know, this sounds like an enormous game for a really small indie to be making. Um, and they've made loads of savings in terms of the art style, which is, looks really cool, but yeah, it's, it um, it's billboard, like, um, sprite based, um, enemies, like, oh, really? it's, uh, Doom style. Yeah, yeah. I didn't eight, even register that. Actually. Eight directions, although you only draw five because <laughs> you just mirror. Mm-hmm. So, like, <laughs> wait, why five? Uh, so you, uh, back, front, side, side, then you can mirror you do you do the mass i can't it's probably one of <laughs> yeah front back profile left profile right and diagonal that's right but why fight. is diagonal mirrorable but not side because the police <laughs> <laughs> that's true because of the european Union. well maybe there's on. diagonal back diagonal front that's still yeah i guess you would need diagonal back and diagonal yes front. yeah, yeah, that yeah makes sense. there we go yeah, yeah, got yeah, it got yeah, it yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, uh, don't fuck the police. And, <laughs> and, and false the, alarm. All, all, all the monsters are symmetrical. Stop so fucking we're... if you already started. <laughs> um, oh, all the monsters are, uh, are symmetrical, so you don't have to draw it. So yep. you can have, have yep. the gun switching switching sides. Um, Everyone has a gun in the perfect centre of their right chest. In the middle of its mouth. <laughs> yeah. I was watching it. And I was wondering. Like, it, um, it, I was confused initially based on the trailer because it looked like a kind of legend of grimrock style yeah room to room game where you're static but is it actually like a doom full, style shooter full full oh so it's real time when actually moving around you're, shooter you're in the business doom. yeah huh. full doom huh, cool um so yeah but they're all high res so they look sort of quite strike real striking yeah. and it's become the this very very kind of um stylized comic book style uh 
sort of visuals. Um, and that saves them loads of money because they <laughs> don't have to make complex, complex mm. environments. Really and looks then, polished though. Like the, all of the visual mm. design, all the UI, everything just looks so Well, they, nice. they've, they, they basically, it's pretty much finished. Right. Now. Nice. So, so fundamentally, you know, it's been in development for a long time as well. So it's, and it's been playable for a long time. So, so it's going to be polished. Why do they keep it so secret? Like, don't you want to build hype yeah. over years? Yeah. Well, it, they, it's they, had a great reception now. So my guess, well, I think I think they wanted to go with a big partner, and big partners don't right. like, mm. like second hand. Yeah, because they Microsoft. I, I feel like there's two different sources of funding, isn't there? Humble. Yeah, it's being published, I think, by Humble, but it was showcased at the Xbox. Microsoft. And it's going to be just like free on Xbox Live, I think, or something. Uh, like included with a, a oh, game, probably game with the Game Pass. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. So I'm, I'm sure that's that's yeah. a source of funding, and then Humble as yeah. well. And they, yeah, so that so that's one side of the game. The other side of the game is this kind of XCOM Geoscape style FTL driving a ship about in the nebula from node to node, making decisions over yeah. where you go. Which is said is turn based. It is turn based, yeah. So there are other ships around which you'll have interactions with. Huh. I'm not quite sure exactly what the form they'll take, but um, basically, sort of, it's a sim- fairly simple strategy game. Um, sort of simple so that it provides a nice pacing counterpoint to the action of the thing and it will inflect so he says they were saying that kind of basically you'll be going onto a ship look at the map and go nope 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 and like <laughs> it's a very good decision just to get out and right. go somewhere else you know, like it's that sort of thing i'm really really excited about it i think mm. that the lineage is good for it and like some really nice developers working on it like yeah Farbs it's really exciting. On it. neptune's pride developer the art style is great. You know, I think I have high, high hopes. Mm. It's a brave time to announce it, right? Right in the middle of like release season, really. Yeah. Like it, and uh, for a thing that can be so easily overlooked anyway, like deserves re-upping the new year. Yeah. Mm. Ken Levine said he'd been playing it for like 35 hours or something <laughs> and it's his go-to game at the moment. He said that nice. he's, Ken Levine's a nice guy, uh, <laughs> but you know, he, he if he didn't like it, he wouldn't, he might say he liked it, but he wouldn't play it for 34 mm. hours. And we mm. know he did because we could see the metrics. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, say what you will about Ken Levine, he does know his onions when it comes to a message shooters. Yeah, for mm. sure. Yeah, yeah. Mm. It is good. Sorry, I had a joke in my head, but then it wasn't the moment passed. <laughs> <laughs> what you been playing, Tom? I'm playing a bit of um, Battlefield 5. Ooh. The sequel to Battlefield 1, as I said last week, and the sequel to Battlefield 4 <laughs> and 3 and 2 before it. I have literally, they've got to the point now where they're just passing, I haven't heard of that game until you mentioned it last week. <laughs> I know that sounds crazy, but I honestly didn't know there's a new Battlefield coming. <laughs> I was talking to my girlfriend about it and like, um, and she's like, didn't they really release that? I yeah. Was like, that, it, that's it the that feeling. About it. That's the feeling about it. It just feels like, well, there's been so many Battlefields by now. Surely five is like <laughs> yeah. three years ago, right? Just statistically. It seems probable that's been done. And it doesn't entirely help that this one's set in World War Two, as, you know, a lot of the battlefields have been in the early stages the of the, first the series. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so, uh, and there's also a sense that Battlefield has kind of fallen into a rut since, like, 4 did it for me, where mm. it felt like the same thing, but they were trying to generate extra ways to get people to buy it that weren't necessarily feeding back into the quality of the, the core game uh so i drifted away from, from from it for ages and i really want this one to be good because i think that um world war ii weaponry and shooters is actually 
can be like super effective and like really exciting for it is the ideal <laughs> kind of it's yeah. like like a Pokemon terrible. thing Thompson is super effective <laughs> the, the effective range of those weapons and the size of the ideal FPS map seems to just marry huh. it, you get all the vehicles you want going yeah. at the speeds that you want uh, yeah. yeah, so like they don't have the run into the stuff with jets, where yeah. jets in, in Battlefield games yeah. have always been absurd because they had to move at, like a fraction of the speed that they would <laughs> actually move. Uh, and it means that they could draw the maps at a sensible size and have, you know, um, Spitfires rolling around them at a sensible speed. And it all kind of makes sense. There's, there's a kind of weird, horrible maths about the way that World War II <laughs> and video games really slot together very, very well. Uh, so I was very excited to play this game. Uh, and I've so far only really doubled with the single player. And <laughs> last week I talked about Forza Horizon 4 and its amazing intro mission where you're driving a car and you kind of vault up through different seasons. Mm. Uh, and there's an intro mission to Battlefield 5, which is exactly the same. Well, actually, didn't Battlefield 1 do this as yeah, well? It did, yeah, yeah. Uh, I read a description yeah. of it. It's, this sounds really similar. So yeah, you're 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 running up through the the, the tone is always with World War Two games and World War One games. You always look, the tone is always the tough the, the part they're trying to yeah. soften so that you could enjoy the experience of the incredibly <laughs> exciting war. Uh, so and Battlefield Five, um, it's fine, but it's very funny uh, <laughs> accidentally. Uh, particularly I'm afraid to tell you, your game is very funny. <laughs> so it does like um. It's like about two minutes of just voiceover intro over very sad music about how, you know, uh, war is bad. The future is inside of us all. And ultimately it's up to us to decide our future. And it's just a kind of just drivel, like actual <laughs> meaningless drivel. Cause I've played through it a, a few times on different PCs, like my work PC and my home PC. And I can't decipher what the fuck it's actually <laughs> trying to say about anything. It's some sort of just vague destiny bullshit with not destiny, the video game is in like, you know, we're all part of this destiny together and we all forge it together, <laughs> except we were all actually ordered into these situations and had no choice about where we were. Stationed. And also we did because we bought the game and it's really fun. <laughs> Yeah. And then it sort of breaks down to that. Uh, and uh, you get this beautiful cut to uh, somewhere, like it's, I think it's in Sweden or somewhere, and you're, you're floating down and you're kind of parachuting down and uh, it gives you the northern lights and you're just gliding down gently into the snow. And it's beautiful. The frostbite engine is doing all its frostbite engine goodness. <laughs> it's giving you all the beautiful snowy particle effects and the glittering light over the, uh, the lake that you're nearby. And then you land and then it's incredibly exciting wartime. <laughs> and then you run up a hill in the snow and uh, have an incredibly exciting fight with a load of people with a short range kind of submachine guns and then suddenly it like whisks you away like a tank bursts through a wall and blasts you and in slow motion the flame obscures your vision and suddenly you're back into the narration zone <laughs> back into destiny land <laughs> back into and then it's the destiny of a man to make his own destiny except you can't because you've been ordered in blah 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 and then suddenly you're in another fucking incredibly exciting war zone and um it kind of goes through its phases and you suddenly you're in a desert and you're commanding a tank and you're going down into this valley and there are all these small tanks popping out from either side small tanks yeah just like mini tanks just mini tanks <laughs> just like snack tanks that you can shoot <laughs> snack tanks <laughs> for a brief but incredibly satisfying explosion crunchy snack tanks uh, and then you, you plow through that and it's like go through that barrier and you go through the barrier and there's like a giant tank and they're like oh no and then you shoot the giant tank I am tank. Now the snack, snack, snack. <laughs> I'm the roast dinner tank <laughs> we can't take the roast dinner tank <laughs> 
and so you're shooting this thing and then suddenly there's like just smoke and explosions coming in from nowhere and and then suddenly uh, is, it, is it the same big tank that came through the wall earlier um oh maybe it was maybe it's hunting me through yeah it's the destiny of man was that a light lunch tank it's the destiny of man to be hunted by the time tank roast dinner time tank <laughs> sent back from the future to kill this one guy <laughs> over and over again and you get uh, so you, you play the sequence for like four minutes and then uh, as soon as you encounter the you know the roast dinner tank uh, <laughs> the time tank <laughs> yeah the time tank you get blasted out of nowhere by just a bullshit shell just like <laughs> bullshit shell <laughs> <laughs> roast dinner time tank is throwing bullshit shells <laughs> you get hit by a, a, a bullshit we need to change scenes now <laughs> we're, the, we're at the end of the content fire the shell, fire the shell. <laughs> that's exactly what happens and you, you blow up and your vision goes white and suddenly you're in a whole incredibly exciting new war place and and this 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 happens like four times maybe that's what happens when you die you just, just go, go to a really exciting war place, yeah. And suddenly you're in you're in uh, a German fighter, and you're um, you know being asked to swoop down on some bombers. And then you swoop down, you sort of fire some shots. And the controls are terrible, so you can't hit anything. And then suddenly, like, it flashes white, and suddenly you're in a Spitfire, and suddenly you're, you're the good guy. Now you can shoot. Him. <laughs> you're suddenly shooting the the German fighters that are shooting the the convoy, and um, then a big fucking tank just falls out of the sky. Yeah. <laughs> oh damn you! <laughs> and the bullshit shell is back, and suddenly that's. And it's, it's like it is Forza Horizon 4's intro, but that is, isn't it? Via the process of World War like Two, so that, that's Warza different to World War, <laughs> Battlefield One's was the same fundamental idea, but in the same battle. Yeah, and it was really right. awkward because it would put you into these no-win situations, <laughs> and you would fight and fight, and waves and waves would come after you, and you get that feeling, you know, in COD where in the old CODs where you'd be sort of fighting up some hill and just respawns would happen because you hadn't gone over the invisible line mm, that yeah. would sort of yep. push the line forward. And you'd sort of, am I doing it wrong feeling? And it was like that. And what you're meant to do is die. Like, <laughs> But if you survive a bit longer, because I was playing it on easier level, like I just survived and it went on and on and on. <laughs> and then you die and you think, oh, fucking hell, do I have to play that again? And then, oh, I'm a different man. Okay. Like, <laughs> and I've been still in the battle on it. And this is combined with the fact that it's really fucking miserable because it's the First World War. And like that fucking Battlefield one, hmm. the tone is just I, deathly in that I, fucking I'm game. quite fond of it because it is so ludicrous. I think I said on the podcast, there are, I mean, the Italian one in that is so funny. Oh, for sure, for mm. sure. But as soon as you take it to the fucking trenches, like mm. you just this doesn't fucking work. No, it doesn't. But it doesn't work in a way that is so kind of spectacular that I think it stands <laughs> up as high camp okay yeah. <laughs> like because it's obviously like it's a it's a big old misstep it's but then when you hear of news of you know Rem- remembrance stages yeah, past, I mean, I and, it. and all the stories come out they're like oh the players of battlefield one didn't just fire any shots at 11 o'clock on the 11th of November. i don't believe that for a second like fuck <laughs> off like like yeah just just that game is has his relationship with the real war is just oh no it's don't yeah. It's, yeah, don't, don't go, go there. there but i know i completely agree um but i you know i i have a fondness for like a well-intentioned but completely beefed attempt to do something right 
And I think that's what they got. <laughs> like, I think they were like, we'll do, a f- we'll do a few different tones of stories. We're going to have the, the rollicking pilot adventure. We're going to have the serious trench thing. We're going to have that whole Italian campaign. Yeah, that Italian which dream. Is incredible. <laughs> I told you about this time I have a message. I played it. Yeah. Oh, the, the like, you know, tell me, grandfather, about the time you put on a full suit of plate armor yeah. and killed oh, every yeah. German <laughs> with a giant gun. <laughs> you turned into a, an actual Space Marine Terminator <laughs> yeah, exactly. and then just gun everyone down. Yeah. <laughs> It's a real, it's real. But they, they, like, no, I, I feel like in Battlefield One's campaign, it was unreliable narrators telling kind of nonsense war stories, right? That was the whole frame. Yeah, I think it, right? so. Although it had this sort of, it had this sort of documentary air about it. It was mm. like stories from the front line. This is World War One. My electronic arts. <laughs> like, it didn't, I don't think it was supposed to be unreliable. I think one of them is definitely unreliable, which is the pilot one. Yeah. That opens with Italian. Oh, but, like, yeah. but like, but like, I don't think the other is supposed to be unreliable because, like, the Italian one starts with, like, the the grandfather or the father telling the story to his daughter. And it's not going to be like, I'll now tell you some complete bollocks. <laughs> Doesn't he have, like, <laughs> some sort of bit of the like, armor as well? Isn't that yeah, kind like of instigating of memory or something? Or something. Yeah, you know, he's looking at a photo. Uh, from of that his, time, I owned those guys. <laughs> he's looking at a photo of his brother and... I was leet. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you about the killstreak rewards I had on that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> got three uavs <laughs> i called it a nuke and that hadn't been invented yet <laughs> but you get 128 kills in a row they gotta give you something <laughs> anyway that's war <laughs> yeah cut to that clip of the guy standing on the back of the horse like firing the flamethrower as his friend rides yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway yeah uh, I, I i mean they've got to try to couch it they've got to try and like bracket it right they they can't just like make you do some missions and then not actually address any of it but the way that they kind of frame it is just kind i think yeah i think there's something specific about that 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 particular tone they go for which is like look how grandiose this is Mm. but also so terrible yet so great it has a (laughs) terrible beauty fucking awesome (laughs) yeah uh and so the uh in the first mission in like the first of the three kind of mini campaigns that you get with Battlefield Five, uh you go from that type of narration straight into uh like two guys who are basically uh one seasoned military veteran has pulled a guy out of prison and they're both members of the newly formed special boat service, which is actually these days a very serious special forces unit in the British Army. It's uh, S- S- SBS. Second only to the SAS. SBS. Yes, yes. It's the crap ones. Yeah, I kind of think the SB plus S. SBS is like a really serious unit, but like, and also like, if you consider that the SAS, but they're down in a dinghy. Yes, they are. They're up there in fucking helicopters. I know. You get special car service and then special horse service, donkey service. The SAS. SS became uh, almost too too famous during like the oh. the eighties and nineties. So the actual, I, I think the actual British special forces are not going to be the SS anymore. Yeah. But something you've not trans- heard of. What secret mode of transport have they chosen? The, Probably the- some sort of you know invisible horse. How much power does it take away if they know your acronym? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's, all, it's all a PR exercise. Shit, SES. No, it's all right. We've heard of them. The A stands for air. It's fine. <laughs> the whole tactic is right there on the We're on the ground. They can't get us here. <laughs> <laughs> the S. SS. Special that, 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 that's something else, Alex. I think. Yeah. <laughs> Slight, slight difference there. Yeah. There's some overlap there. Anyway, happy 100 
Yeah, remembrance. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's past yeah. like this is the thing. Like, you can't connect any of this stuff to the real stuff because it's just mustn't. You just yeah, just, mustn't. Like you talk about, like yeah, but I, I think you know from a kind of like the way we said this at the time about Battlefield was announced that like about World War One has always been harder to treat in different tones traditionally. Mm. Like it, it, World War Two has a pop culture existence. It's far. got goodies and baddies. It's nice and easy. And it has I mean, really that, good weapon ranges. It, that's what I was going to say, but particularly about Battlefield 5's campaign, like it, there's, um, in the initial, uh, missions that you're playing, you're play, you play as, uh, a guy who's been taken out of prison, you're a convict and you're p- shoved into the special boat service, which was like apparently a, a retinue for lots of people who they're just desperately needed people to go on very risky special force missions and you're behind enemy lines but the the whole tone is definitely like where equals dare like it's it's pulling from that type of you mm. know uh that that t- it's, it's pulling from films it's pulling from the pulp fiction that came up around heroic world war ii acts from particular british uh special forces or particular you know it, it, it's a very specific thing and i think it's that's why it's acceptable and it's fine yeah but it's when it's like comes right up against the the deep toned narration about how serious this all is um then when you're actually playing it it's fine like it's just is, it, is that where they try to give it some gravitas mm. and then make it this pop culture thing that's when it all yeah. kind of i think it's also rough. when the, the the desire to like there's, there's such a com- i haven't played that intro but i'm really interested in doing it but it's like there's a competing interest there where it's like partly it is partly yes look at the the war but it's also look at the spectacle oh look yeah look at the expensive game <laughs> yeah the screenshots made. i've seen of it set look they look <clears throat> very expensive yeah, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's incredible. Like, it's partly there to sell you on the thing you just bought, mm. right? Like, yeah, it's yeah. like, holy shit, look at this. It's your horror fucking Borealis. A massive tank has got you. Yeah. Like, you know, the... the we modelled every one of its linky things and its wheels. Yeah, linky things. <laughs> the roly-poly linky things. <laughs> and in the time tank. All of the Yorkshire puddings. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all Not to be confused it. with the gravy train. I feel like we're, like, it's always good to acknowledge the tone of these things, but I... I I want to talk more about the um, missions itself. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to hear about how it's... Yeah, so it's, it, so far it's been a mix of classic kind of Call of Duty style walk forwards and then loads of people pop up like in a, you know, fucking rifle range or something. Uh, but the very quickly in the second mission in the first of the three kind of mini segments in the single player campaign, it puts you into like a massive open area and it says go after these three mm. objectives. Mm. And Battlefield Bad Company did this. and mm-hmm. Battlefield uh, 1 did it as well. Yeah, yeah, Battlefield yeah. 1 did it. And it's always good when the, yeah. they do that. Like it's always good because, uh, fundamentally, <laughs> Battlefield is quite a stupid sandbox. Like, <laughs> uh, particularly if it gives you all of the vehicles and all of the weapons that you can get your hands on. And it, it feels the need to maintain this kind of tone to an extent. But the moment I realized that I was assaulting a radar station right next to a runway and then I looked across at the runway and I was like, yeah, there's a plane right there. <laughs> there's a plane right there i could just go vault this fence and you know throw away, throw away my bolt action scoped rifle that i was planning to use to very carefully take out all the people and i could just go into the air <laughs> could go into the air and then kill them all from the air and this this incredibly hard to control german plane that i've never uh, <laughs> flown before and you hop in there and then yeah you i barely take off and then you hear all these alerts and stuff, and then they scramble three other fighters to take you down. Oh, nice. Because it's blatant theft. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then I'd like just very incompetently wheel around, fail to hit one, and I've realized I've 
heading hurtling towards the ground at like you know terminal velocity and then at the last minute i sort of press e and hop out and i'm fine (laughs) (laughs) so (laughs) it's a combination of um battlefield spectacle but also battlefield fucking nonsense (laughs) battlefield has always been slapstick fucking crazy yeah yeah people standing on the wings of your plane since 1942 (laughs) absolutely yeah and people i remember even battlefield 3 they choose like little drones people figured out how to stand on the drones and get you know be lifted up to 100 feet in the air yeah, and then he's... shoot a pilot out of a plane and then drop into the plane and then command the plane and pull it up and then you're in a fighter jet yeah. well done yeah, <laughs> that's the, guy who's the, 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 the guy who made, just made video after video of doing sort of trick shots with like sticking grenades underneath oh, a tank yeah. and yeah, just remember, like, landing the tank on top of buildings and that sort of Battlefield thing. 2 there'd be these gifts of like uh, you're in a jet and another jet comes up and you don't have any like air-to-air weaponry and so you eject fire your shoulder mounted RPG at it which locks on and heat seeks and then land back in your own yeah, jet after it's done <laughs> fine that's just how you deal with problems in the air that's like that is the, the, the that is the promise of it right yeah. like mm. it is what it is is basically every single person in World War 2 was Ace Rimmer from mm. Red Bull. <laughs> <laughs> like when you're talking about jumping in that plane and kind of not totally know how to fly it sorry not totally knowing how to fly it um suddenly uh made me wonder has there ever been a game where like they tried to reflect like whether your your character that you're playing knows how to fly the plane or not because you could do something where like the controls are different every time you get in a plane but if you're a pilot it tells you what the controls are and if you're not (laughs) (laughs) you just have to guess they recorded a, a, a particular line for getting in that plane which is like well, I guess I'll figure it out. <laughs> and just doing that says that, okay, you're, yeah. you're a player. You're allowed. Yeah. You're yeah. a player that's kind of gone off the margins a bit, but you know, like. But yeah. also, but also. We put like, this here for a reason. You're a, you're a very unprofessional soldier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, in Planet Side was more of an RPG. It, it mattered if you were a pilot spec right. in Planet Side because mm. like you would have, you'd be able to go faster and turn sharper and stuff. Okay. But it wasn't like you didn't know the controls. No, it wasn't like that. Mm. No. Um, but yeah, the idea was that, yeah, but also it was very practice intensive. Like it was quite technical. So I think the idea was partly that you would invest the skill points and then invest the time and then it would make sense for you to be the person that's yeah. done that. There's something just very like tempting about like, I don't know, flying any kind of aircraft is complicated and there's a million different switches and that's kind of like the sort of the cliche about them. And then a PC has 128 keys. <laughs> and I just, I really like the idea of just, you've got to, just got to figure out what fucking keys to press. <laughs> Some of these, we don't know. <laughs> it's a good idea. I like that. Yeah. This, uh, I think what I like particularly about this mission is that it basically embraced a lot of what's great about Battlefield multiplayer, but in a single player context mm. where everyone's kind of using tools they don't quite understand mm. and everything's chaotic and everyone's dying quite quickly. Uh, and then you can just blow up and respawn fairly quickly and just get straight back in and just dive into a different nonsense vehicle and pick up a different mm. weapon you don't quite understand. And I've not really gotten into the multiplayer yet, but actually like the weapons feel amazing as you'd expect from dice and it looks incredible, and I think this might be the battlefield that gets me back in after <laughs> Battle, Battlefield Three was the last one I really got into, mm. and I think this one might actually have it. I mm. think this one might have enough going for it. I'm looking forward to it. Mm. What have you been playing, Tom? I have been playing uh, The Witcher Thronebreaker, mm. which is Ooh. the the game of <coughs> Gwent, basically. <clears throat> I was so I, I played The Witcher Three a little bit, but not very much, and the, the main thing, and I did it play some games of Gwent and really enjoyed it. And so I was very keen to um, uh, to play what I thought was a game called Gwent because <laughs> that, that was like an ounce and they were in development for a long time. And I 
I'm not a hundred percent, but I think this is that game. <laughs> like it, because I remember reading a new story like, oh, that Gwent game that you've been following is uh, now has like a a thirty hour story driven single player campaign. <laughs> I was like, great, because I actually specifically want to play it single player. I don't mm. want to play against other people. Um, and I think this is that. Uh, and I think there isn't a game called Gwent anymore. I think like this this is what Gwent became. Oh, it's really complicated. They're not. So the, are they going to release like a standalone game called Gwent? There was a, there was a standalone multiplayer game called Gwent. It was released in beta, wasn't it? Yeah, and I think it. I'd no idea if it still exists. I'm sure. It, I think it does actually. Hmm. And then they spun this off into. This, so this is like a separate single player version yeah. of that. But apparently, a lot of the rules have been changed or updated. Is, yeah, it's interesting. So Gwent is. Um, uh, the sort of basic concept of Gwent is that you have uh, it's a card game and you have a deck of cards and you get dealt a hand and then you play those cards to one of three rows uh, like a sort of you know one that's right next to the enemy one that's a bit further back and one that's like artillery um, and it's all about just like getting a lot of strength on your rows like every card has a certain value which is both it, it's its hit points and it also your, the sum total of all those hit points is your military strength and if your military strength is bigger than the enemies then you win that round and uh, what like once they can no longer place any more cards but there's three rounds to it and one of the key mechanics is that you can you only need to win two of them and so uh and your cards are persistent across these rounds so it doesn't make sense if you're going to lose this round there's n- you don't want to play any more cards into it you there's there's a, an element of like oh shit i don't think i can win this let's just cut my losses and keep my cards for the next round and try and win the next two um and this is an rpg that where that is the battle mechanic um and there's a kind of overworld if you wander around you play a, a queen who is um uh there's some kind of war going on <laughs> i follow the plot vaguely i am uh at the uh, I, my level of investment, my tolerance for law is proportional to my level of investment. And my level of investment when I start a game is zero. <laughs> I'm never invested. I never care. I'm always just like, shut up, shut the fuck up. Let me get to the game. Once you've impressed me with your mechanics, then I'll care a little bit about the story. Mm. And then like uh, after like 20 hours <laughs> really liking the game, I might start to care about characters and, and plots and stuff. Um, and so like, uh, I've, I don't know what, there's an intro to the game and I've, I've skipped it. It launches, every time we launch the game, it plays the intro and I've skipped it every single time. I still don't know what the intro is. <laughs> um, and I've played maybe two hours. Um, and the plot, I've, I've sort of, yeah, I've, I've read most of the dialogue that it's voice acted, but you can also kind of skip and see the whole line ahead of time and just read it yourself and then skip ahead, which is what I've been doing. Um, and it hasn't, it hasn't got super interesting yet, but I've just got to the point where, like, um, you're just a queen wandering around the world. It's a very weird thing where, like, technically you're leading a huge army and it's, it's this big, like, you are... It's very large scale what you're actually doing, but the way it's presented on the overworld is you are just a single person walking around the world and just talking to people and picking up logs and stuff. <laughs> but you're, you're the fucking queen. <laughs> and okay. It's just... It's one of those abstractions where it's like, actually, you represent a huge army moving through this world on mm. a much bigger scale. Um, and every time you talk to somebody, you know, it's, it's really this whole army is rocked up and there's this big thing. And when there's a battle, it, that that's what's happening. Um, and I've just now got to the point where, like, your base camp, uh, which is kind of overwhelming at first, there's, like, five different tents and each one has, like, seven upgrade trees to <laughs> spend wood and gold on to... And it's like, all I want to know all the time is like, I actually know what Gwent is. I've played a bunch of games of Gwent and I like it. Can you tell me how this relates to Gwent? <laughs> and sometimes they can't tell you how it relates to Gwent. Um, 
And so, like, the deck building aspect of it, I still have not got to grips with. But I have got to the point where it's also like a Bioware-style RPG, where you have persistent companion characters who follow you um, around, and you can go back to base and just talk to them. Hmm. And I I gave that a go, and I just talked to, like, my one, like, default companion. And I have to say, that conversation immediately was really interesting. And, and actually, I've I always kind of sitting back a little bit, because I know people love The Witcher a lot more than I do, and I... Um, I played The Witcher 2 pretty thoroughly, but I didn't get far enough in Witcher 3, not because of the writing, but because of the combat. And I quite like the writing, but I'm always like kind of waiting to be sold on it. And so, um, uh, a lot of the writing in, in Thronebroker was, was, it was fine, but it like it wasn't doing a special. You're just a queen and you're behaving like a queen and your, your, your subjects are behaving like subjects and just like being very deferential to you and nothing really interesting has that has happened. And then as soon as I talked to like a first companion and I got a bit of detail about his life and where he came from and his story, I was like, Oh shit, this writing's really good. <laughs> mm. Actually, I think I am going to like this. The strange thing about the game side of it is that it's really reluctant to just give you like a full on game of Gwent. Like, cause I know what that is and I played it. Um, it was a while ago, so I do need it to be introduced, and I was happy to go through a tutorial and stuff. But they still haven't... There are, like, two games of Gwent you play very early on, and it feels like it's going to be a really good lead-in, because the, the first game is, like, it's super easy, and it introduces the concepts. There's only two rows, and that's true of all of the games I've played so far, so I'm assuming the third row gets added later on. Mm. Um, but the first game is very, very easy, and the second game uh, is probably unwinnable uh, or at least so you can win it but the, the first round i think is probably unwinnable like the enemy has some special ability where they can copy your most powerful character and you're given a super powerful character and so th- they just get to win and that's to teach you you can lose a round of gwent and you can still win overall which is great because i already knew that concept and it was good to have that introduced and then no match i've played since then like, i've played like five or six uh battles since then every single one has been a single round and every single one has had special rules of like, you must kill this enemy, you mustn't lose any of your guys, you must do this, you must mm. do that. And it's, in a way, it's kind of impressive that Gwent is flexible enough that it supports that. You can make interesting puzzles out of it, you can make, you know, weird one-off story battles out of it. But I'm just kind of itching for it to like, just let me play Gwent. I really like Gwent. I don't mm. want to play these special cases. And particularly like right at the start of the game, when they've just started to introduce Gwent and this idea of the three rounds and how you can throw one in order to win the other two. That's really interesting and cool. And then it just hasn't gone back to it. It's just been like five or six battles of here's a weird special case where all of your enemies are uh, drowned guys. And they, uh, if they have an even number of health, they switch rows and attack you. If they have an odd number of health, they can't do anything. And so you've got to figure out a way to make them all have odd numbers of health, but then also you have to kill them all and also you can't lose anybody. And it's just a like, very abstract, weird puzzle. And yeah, every round... There have been some more conventional battles, but still only just one round. You just, you're just trying to make a bunch of units. Gwent is also kind of a strange game in that the units all have these abilities that can attack each other. And it, you get, particularly in these special one-off battles, you, you know, you're trying to kill a certain unit or you're trying to do some special objective. You get very engaged, like, okay, this unit kills that and this, I'm going to do this much damage this turn. And if this guy's got eight health, I've got to find a way to do eight damage at some point. And that's actually not Gwent. Like, Gwent is just make your number bigger than the other guys. You don't need to kill anyone. You mm. could just put a bunch of stuff on the board. And if how much stuff you put down is bigger than how much stuff they put down, nobody needs to die. <laughs> you could just be like, well, I won. I got a higher number. Like, the actual battle never has to happen. It's just there are a bunch of units that do attack. And if you can use those attacks to reduce their number more than it reduces your number, then you win. But these battles are win focused on, like, you've got to kill someone. And you've got to do this. And you've got to do that. Which is very, like conventional combat focused 
Um, and so like I've just played a battle where it's still a special case because it's only one round, but there was no special victory condition. So it's just get the higher number than the other guy. And it's kind of weird to realize like everyone I put down, now that I've put them down, they can't do anything. <laughs> like they just, they have a special ability where like when you deploy them, they do two damage to this guy or they do a damage to a whole row or whatever. And then after that, they can't do anything. They're just a bunch of people just standing there with a number next to them. And, uh, I have like a buff ability that can give somebody like five extra hit points which is good because it adds to my overall army strength and i just kept doing that to the same one guy who can never do anything ever again like he can't attack but also nobody else can attack <laughs> and they can't attack me it's just a bunch of people just standing there with the numbers going up <laughs> yeah it's a very strange game and it's kind of like it's also a very strange intro to it hmm. but i i understand it's pretty substantial and like it certainly feels like the whole overworld thing you know it's an entire game they've added on to gwent um like a whole rpg with with uh side quests and story characters and all this stuff so i think it's a it's a long haul type thing and i'm pretty interested in playing more and getting to like the meat of it but it's a strange way to introduce it have you played the uh the banner saga at all tom yeah briefly the first one does it feel kind of similar in the way that the companions were it looks like the banner saga that was my first thought Mm. i haven't i can't remember i remember the combat from the banner saga but i don't really remember the in-between bits as much Mm. there's a lot of walking from place to place (laughs) right with the banner people chatting to each other and there are kind of moments where companions come up to you and you have like text conversations with them and stuff yeah the, the the exchanges with with people i encounter on the road have have all followed the format of like i walk up to them they say something that's in some way offensive and then all of my like <laughs> lackeys go what the fuck how can you say this the queen will murder you all like, this is in this is disgraceful and sometimes i agree with them and sometimes i don't <laughs> it's good to be a queen <laughs> yeah yeah the, the, the character you're playing is i'm very interested to see where it goes because so far um i don't know she, she, she i you're given the oh, the opportunity to kind of express yourself in, in several different ways but one of them is to kind of be the the more reserved and kind of actually it, it was in this companion conversation that i really liked uh where through asking this guy about his history she kind of revealed he used to work for your i think your husband or your father <laughs> i can't remember um but a the previous king um he worked for and um who's now dead and uh as soon as he mentions that he he used to disparage the king hmm. uh, and he really regrets it one of the options you can chime in with is, is like yeah that guy was he was known as the courageous but he wasn't known as the cunning and there's a reason for that and that immediately establishes your character as kind of like more of a thinker and more like not so much about doing the bold heroic brave thing and more hmm. about strategizing and so there's been a few hints like that that make me kind of interested in this character yes the world of witcher as far as i've experienced it through which three specifically there's like quite a little politics, mm. like mixed in with the kind of supernatural stuff. Yeah, that's one thing I like about the story. Actually, they're, they're, like I thought those drowner things, which are kind of supernatural, but everything yeah. else has just been soldiers. Just like there's, mm. there's this other faction who are trying to. Uh, there's some bandits, and there's some people who are impersonating your people, and then there's an enemy nation that's moving against you, and it's all just political. And that's yeah. actually more interesting to me. Yep, that sounds cool. I want to try that. Yeah. Yes. Really liked Banner Saga as an iPad thing. I'd be interested to see if mm, Thronebreaker has a kind of destiny like that because I quite liked it as a sort mm. of sit and sit on the sofa and play yeah, for sure. experience. Banner Saga three, the is the final part of the mm. series, I think, um, came out this year, and I've still not played. Mm. It, yeah, but, yeah. Uh, they brought the entire series out on Switch, I think, which is also a good platform. That's, for that. a, hmm. that's a good package. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm.
What have you been playing, Alex? I've been playing uh, a lot of Roblox. Hmm. A lot, a lot, a lot of Roblox, because I'm doing a thing about Roblox. I've been playing hundreds of games, oh, tens of games. It feels like hundreds of games. <laughs> I probably played, downscale dramatically. <laughs> I think I think I played 41 game, different games of Roblox over the last few weeks. I've been writing about them, and it's been interesting. It's very... I've always found Roblox fascinating because it's very quietly fucking enormous, you hmm. know. Because when you say you play games of Roblox, you don't mean like matches of no, a single matches. game called Roblox. You mean games, games made within built Roblox. in Roblox, yeah. So what is Roblox like? So Roblox is fundamentally a game-making platform, really, hmm. basically. Um, if you want to play games, you go to the Roblox website, you download and client um, which is very, very slim line and sort of fast load and small scale. You click on a link in your browser and that, and the, the client launches and runs a game. It's downloading the game on the fly. Uh, but because everything is incredibly light, usually stuff down, you know, you're playing within 15 seconds. You know, that's including logging you into the multiplayer and that sort of thing. Almost. I don't actually, is all, is it even almost every game I've played has been multiplayer, no mm. single player games at all. Um, and that's all part of the platform. And that's the, the appeal of the platform is that you have your avatar, you take them into every single game, you have your friends and they can come in with you. It's kind of incredibly robust. It's been around since 2006, I think. So mm. it's actually really wow. quite mature. Well, like it's been around for a long <laughs> time now. Um, and it has a reputation for looking ass and <laughs> kind of does. Um, partly that's because little kids basically have made all the stuff in it. <laughs> it's, um, entirely user driven. You know, I don't think there are any Roblox made games anymore i think there were right at the very start there was like a, but there were sort of intro games of mm. sort of places to explore mm. what you get with roblox is uh a 3d sort of game making system uh sort of there are ai systems there are there's physics you know this is network physics as well it's a bit janky but like it fucking works and there are loads and loads of games on there which are about physics. There's a one particular genre in there called Brick Battles, and it's probably the only genre that I know of that is pu a purely Roblox genre. You know, there are lots of things that have come across from mm. kind of mainstream gaming, stuff that's come across from Minecraft um, sort of mods and things. But Brick Battles are sort of one of the purely Robloxy things, and they're fundamentally, you're in a physics, you know, world... Um, you have bombs and rockets and that sort of thing and everything blows up and everything goes mad and the physics jank starts because for everything is physics and therefore it's all being networked across like 24 players mm. and therefore it's a fucking mess and that's part of the appeal i think to a lot of the kids because mm. it's you know things ragdoll out of control and it's all fun funny funny mm. um what I've been playing it on and off for the past few years. Like my son was playing it a bit and that kind of thing. Um, so I've, but this time around for, for this project I've been working on, like the quality of stuff that people are making is surprisingly good. Like the last sort of proper look at it, I was really surprised that people were making full featured kind of battlefield games, you know, where you know, it was basically a complete clone of a battlefield and it was surprising that it worked like a large battlefield with, I can't remember how many players, like 32 players or something, you know, 
capture you know lots of guns lots of attachments and stuff and it all worked but it was pretty janky and you could see a lot of the hacks they were using to make um the roblox kind of fundamentals twist into you know being something different so you could feel how it was hacked to make you be able to view down your sites and that kind of thing um so today i was playing um a clone of um uh counter-strike uh sort of um counter-terrorist terrorist mode what's that mode called you know where you've got the bomb you're uh, um, bomb. diffuse yeah, diff- diffuse yeah uh and this game smooth as fuck like it it even looks nice. It's low poly style, mm. no textures, but, but nicely made polys. Each of the characters is sort of custom kind of skinned, but in a Robloxy style, but not mega janky and ugly. Um, the, the, the transitions between levels, like you start the level in a helicopter and you don't see outside, but like it's all styled. The, 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 the audio design is well done so it feels really smooth and there's you know it leads you through the systems really nicely you know using your gun it's got all of the stats you you expect with your gun with sort of aiming time and kind of bullet velocities and stuff um like it's all there um and it's pretty fucking remarkable that it, it you know and this is all running in roblox in the game that that i was you know playing within you know from going on its website you know on its web page and clicking play to playing within you know sort of 20 seconds mm-hmm. and for free um the matchmaking is incredibly quick like you know you're in a group in a full sort of fully uh, uh filled party within you know moments as well it's it's, it's pretty amazing um and there are loads of different kinds of games like one of the big popular things it's kind of tailing off a little bit now with the tycoon games i don't know does that ring a bell with you tycoon looking what does that mean specifically so basically it's a clicker game Hmm. but with a sort of a action 3d kind of world sort of aspect to it too there's sort of they have there's kind of various types where of, of kind of involvement some of which you're just waiting for a gauge to film and you buy the next thing and that accelerates stuff it's like pure clicker right there are others where so there's one that i was playing yesterday called summoner tycoon where um you are building a a laboratory as a summoner and you can you basically do a um you earn crystals and you pay use crystals to to get a kind of a random selection of heroes and depending on what level you are, you'll get a varying sort of, uh, sort of rarity, which de- defines how strong they are. These heroes, these heroes then go out into this field and fight for you and you can watch them. They run around the field and they defeat enemies. And as they do, they'll earn you money. And then you can jink up their, um, statistics by building new aspects into your base. So it sounds like a kind of, um, one of those mobile city builders, basically. Yeah. That, that- uh, I can't remember. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's a bit like that. But yeah. the translations for Roblox. Yeah, hmm. yeah. It's, yeah. You know, there are loads of those kind of games. Loads of shooters, uh, loads of kind of um, swiping stuff with swords with loads of physics-y stuff going on. Hmm. Um, there's some, um, you know, like there are kind of, there's quite a lot of stuff that's come across from um, Gary's Mod. Like um, hmm. there's Blocks Hunt, which is basically that um, game where you disguise yourself as an object and, you know, hmm. people have to find you, you know. Um, loads and loads of copying stuff. Hmm. And I... Uh, there are so many zombies games, like COD, COD style zombies games. Three of them I came across, which kind of 
again, they all fucking work. They work and they, and they are free. They're totally free, um, to play. And which of course is where the problem kind of, for me kind of sets in because it is, so all of these games are made by, uh, people like mostly kids, teenagers. Um, and, uh, they can make money, uh, by, uh, featuring in-game purchases using, uh, Robux. They're called, it's like, like an in-game currency and you can buy Robux for real money. And, um, and they get a kickback. They can sell Robux for money back. I can't remember what the exchange rate is, but, you know, it's something like 25 cents for 500 Roblox or something like that. Maybe, maybe less. But it's, you know, some, uh, because some of these games are getting 50 million plays, uh, you know, over the course of six months, like Jesus, these, these are big games, really big games. And their makers are earning hundreds of thousands of dollars. Are there adverts around these games? Like how are, how is the Roblox how kind they, of yeah. entity work, making money out of this? Um, how is Roblox making yeah. money? So they're making a cut on, on Robux sales. Okay. Uh, so they, you know, when you, when you buy Robux or you take up, you can, they, they don't gouge. I don't think they gouge too much. They, um, they, they, you can, uh, you can get a subscription, which is very cheap, like 10 pounds a month or something. And that gives you every week, a, like a, a stipend of Robux. Um, so it's good for a parent. You can control what your kid has mm. in the game and your kid can go out and buy stuff in the game, yeah. hats or boosts or whatever. Um, and I, so I think that's totally fair and I think that works. Um, uh, um, and all you can buy extra stuff and obviously Robux takes, Ro- Roblox takes a cut on that. They do licensing deals and stuff as well. So like, uh, Jurassic World, for instance, did a, like a big licensing deal where, um, loads of uh Roblox uh, game makers put Jurassic game uh, Jurassic uh, world graphics and special events in their games mm. to set to do, and Roblox Roblox presumably got a cut from that um uh but what this all means is that there's a big incentive to gouge players mm. like each of the individual creators um and at, at the very best i think that it's creating normalizing the free-to-play monetization hell (laughs) (laughs) you know it is completely normal for a game to be utterly unfair to anyone who doesn't want to pay any money Mm. you know um you know the fact that i don't think it's that un you know the 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 fact that not that much money is is changing hands isn't really the point it's the fact that there's an ex it it is normalizing an expectation for games that you have to kind of put some money in you know in order to be able to play the same standards everybody else and that's that's just makes for a shit game not shit enough for people not to play them um because they're free you know and therefore and like their friends are playing them and therefore you know they, Mm. they succeed anyway um at worst it means you just get these shithole games which is constantly putting up um pop ups you know, saying, asking you to buy this and that. Would you like this booster? Would you, you know, and you, and you know, there's a certain ceiling to what you can be able to do in the game because there's so much of it that's gated off. But that, like, but despite that, there's amazing stuff being made by evidently really fucking clever people. Young. I got, I'm, when I'm, I really like to go to a convention Roblox does every year. 
where they invite um, a number of kind of premier makers to uh, as a sort of like a, a workshop session where they 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 jam together and work out games and presumably the Roblox people learn from them and, and they try to get values into the into these makers who then presumably sort of because they're well regarded in the community um s- sort of propagate them further mm. um it'd be a fascinating to go that i came across like this group of makers it's, it's so strange it's like a culture like the ex- huge culture that acts works even outside of 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 youtube culture and other kind of more mainstream kind of you know on online cultures where this house the, there's a group of really premier uh robox um, makers like who are earning shitloads of money one's bought himself a tesla for instance and they all live together in a house and they're making games together in this <laughs> house like it's somewhere in california and so it's also a reality show because it could be <laughs> well they, they they want it to be because they've right. been they've been videoing themselves on youtube <laughs> like and it's it's fucking terrible videos because <laughs> you'd you'd watch them and you'd think you bunch of chances <laughs> like there's like one of the videos is oh we went on our little scootery thing in the night and then we made a noise and the neighbors didn't like it like it's like and it's just the <laughs> shittest video in the world and like you sort of think ah chances and it just happens that they're earning hundreds of thousands of dollars and they have millions of fans on roblox and mm. nobody fucking knows and they don't yeah. they don't look the part they don't act the part they don't i just want to understand them like <laughs> and it's just it's fascinating because then i started sort of i get a bit obsessive occasionally about um looking at steam charts and see how many people are playing the mm. games that i'm interested in the games that are being fated in in the press that we work in yeah. the you know sort of and you know the games that we are like are so small <laughs> they are so niche compared yeah. to this stuff um and uh steam seems so important to us and next to these other you know fortnite and uh you know, and, and Roblox, you know, it's, that doesn't seem so important. Yeah. And, you know, these Roblox makers, they are totally tied into a platform. They mm. are utterly yeah. That's what's gonna beholden. That's There's the thing. nothing, and they're, they're learning an expertise, which is so specific to, so much of what they know is about getting around Roblox's limitations. Mm. <laughs> Obviously they know, you know, they t- they're learning frameworks for making amazing things you know in freer environments yeah in some ways like if you're an accomplished robux developer and robux changes their algorithm or their monetization system and it, it screws you over i feel like you're in a better position to go and do something that will make you money than if you are a youtuber and youtube mm. fucks you over because yeah from youtube you can go to twitch and that's it if, if twitch doesn't support the kind of thing you do then those are the only two things <laughs> as far as i know um i guess like patreon but then uh, that's a lot harder and a very different proposition whereas like if you know how to like it sounds like if you made a good game in roblox you the game design side at least is, is something that you're good at the game design they could probably do programming i can't imagine it's they do harder. scripting well they they seem scared so like part of what i've been doing is based on interviews with them i haven't been doing the interviews like it's been sort of uh, because it's just so much to do and um a lot of what they've been saying is like what what's become apparent through it is that the scripting system in roblox is very 
it helps you along a lot. And some of them have been trying to get into Unity and really finding it hard. <laughs> I can relate to that. <laughs> I think, you know, yes, I agree with, you know, that, that as a platform compared to YouTube or whatever, I think they're in a like way the skill that position. teaches you is, is more yeah, adaptable. Yeah. But actually now, now that you mention it, uh, I suppose one limitation is that they're all used to making multiplayer games and for their multiplayer games, there is this built-in audience. There's just a shitload of people playing yeah. this thing and that's not true for in indie the, games. Yeah, in the wide you want to make a multiplayer indie game, it better be a fucking smash hit yeah, and immediately. Also, you, don't have to, you don't have to learn how to make a, like the technicality to making multiplayer. Yeah. They can assume that like the, the matchmaking and the getting people into him. They have to deal with, with latency issues. You know, mm. like it's evident that quite a few of them, the, the more ambitious games really struggle with trying to make, you know, complex things happen. And they have to do very complex technical things or to make, you know, to make it more playable. Like, is smoother. it all running on Roblox's servers? Yeah. I don't, I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I, yeah, I don't I mean, know. If you make a game, you don't have to provide the servers, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's provided for you. I wonder if, like, if these are the game developers of the future, et cetera, and maybe lots of people are coming up through similar kind of scenarios. Even if you're modding Minecraft and stuff, you're relying on Minecraft's infrastructure to actually make yeah. this, that stuff work. Yeah. Whether increasingly, uh, you know, third party tools like Unity are going to have to provide that infrastructure in some way. And also actually like provide all the support tools. If, yes. if people are going to increasingly expect that, that kind of, that's going to change what Unreal Engine needs to look like and what, you know, Unity is going to need to look like in 10 years time. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point. Yeah. Like it's totally fascinating. And I mean, it, I do recommend just like if you've got a couple of hours, like have a tinker around, look at the kind of the most popular games, hmm. like it's instructive and you see the scale and you're playing with tiny children and you can beat them really easily (laughs) because they're often also like they're playing on mobiles and kind of xboxes and like a mouse and keyboard on a good computer like you are you're gonna fucking so so much what you said reminds me of like old flash games and like similar kind of communities that are built up around particular creation tools and flash was always kind of crude compared to what we're used to now but they they could there were still yeah. like multiplayer games and just nonsense being made by kids on that yeah and this sounds like a kind of more advanced version and i'm kind of into that i think that's yeah. really cool i mean i think i mean personally like i sort of i think i look more fondly to the flash kind of environment <laughs> because it was so much open and freer like you, you could mm. do what you you weren't beholden to a single company sure you know I mean, what adobe <laughs> was going to do what adobe did but but like you know flash was sort of open beyond that hmm. whereas roblox is very much in control of what it makes hmm. ah. shall we do some questions yeah sure. yeah yeah let's where should they come from they they come from grudges this time i'm going to start with the grudge oh, yeah this grudge comes from duncan who writes hello i have a grudge to submit sometimes in games there is nothing behind a waterfall <laughs> thanks uh duncan the great and wise of england that does suck i am um, when my son was very young like maybe three or four i told him that always go he should always go behind a waterfall in a game <laughs> we're gonna that, say in general <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. has he tried to in real life he's, he's, he's drowned now <laughs> 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 yeah, in real life it's quite <laughs> D <laughs> in real life it's actually quite rare for there to be something interesting behind the waterfall <laughs> and also the waterfall itself carries a lot more force than it does in games I love it in the game if you went behind the waterfall and it's just like 
a little NPC, and and every time you go behind a waterfall, it's the same NPC. And it's like <laughs> what? Nope, still nothing here. Yeah. <laughs> you just come out in a waterfall in another game. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow, that's a good game. That's a good yeah, game jump. Yeah, that's your transition point. Like, yeah, your, your World War Two tank goes through a waterfall. <laughs> oh, no. You come out in a different era of war. <laughs> Not the plot tank. You wake up in your Forza Horizon. <laughs> <laughs> driving the roast in a tank <laughs> we're trying to cross too many threads at the same time but even though it's only two threads um yes that's a good grudge it's a very good grudge uh our next question well first question next email uh comes from zoe who writes hello pod friends i recently had a lovely margarita fueled conversation with some friends about the puzzles in Oberdin, where we discovered that we had solved the majority of the deaths with entirely different methods what is your most memorable moment of solving a puzzle in a way a game didn't expect, or in an entirely less logical way than someone else. Thanks as always for the potting joy, Zoe. Yeah, we, you and I, Alex, had a little bit of a back and forth with Opus yes. Magnum, right? Yeah. Uh, there's a yeah, mine's is one, electronics an as well. early puzzle. Um, it's in the tutorial section, actually, uh, called Stabilized Water. Uh, it just has, there's so much you can do to make it faster. Like the other methods of optimization to make it like smaller or cheaper or whatever are interesting, but it, you get to the optimal point pretty fast. Uh, but to make it faster, like I was on like 55 or something and I think you did like 42 and I was like, shit, I've got to beat Alex. So uh, <laughs> I managed to get like 35 or something. And then my friend Kevin had like 15. <laughs> what the fuck? How do you get 15? <laughs> and yeah, just going through that process of like, I, I, like it wasn't me coming up with the clever solution and then just uh, the, the game didn't expect like Zach actually um uh I, I get the impression from him that like he's watching people say like oh my god look at this crazy thing I discovered and I, I'll send Zach a screenshot of this amazing thing that I discovered that he doesn't know about and he's like yeah that's just how you play the game <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's he, just, your 15 solution that's just the obvious solution he said yeah he, <laughs> he he said to like I interviewed him about Exapunks and I did ask him about like you know that and he said yeah, everybody does more or less the same thing. <laughs> Which is like, I, I was playing Xpunks and, um, uh, I, I, this was really early on and I'm not a programmer at all, but I'm kind of interested in the thought processes and that's why I, I like Xpunks and I solved a puzzle, um, because it's like you're writing cut lines of code. It's a bit more, it feels more open. It isn't really, hmm. but it feels more open because you're writing text like, text you could put any letters down you know um and so i was i wrote this program to do something rather just put f over and over over again nothing nobody else has done that but the program actually worked uh there was one little thing that i just couldn't solve in it i just didn't understand it There was some little aspect of the programming i just didn't understand and i couldn't work out what was gone wrong gone, gone wrong so i looked at a youtube video of that that puzzle just just to see whether somebody else and, and I realized that the person had written line for line exactly the same procedure <laughs> as me, except for he'd written the syntax or whatever in the right way around, you know, and like, <laughs> but I, I found it amazing that the two minds, like people that, uh, who had never met and never will had uh, given the same sort of like little paragraph of description and used and written out the same words, uh, apart from the variable names, but like, you know, but even the variable names are really similar. Like, and they just felt this weird connection of kind of magical mm, sort yeah. of connection of minds. You sort of think, shit, yeah, we're all humans. And like, it was quite a special moment. 
there's like a, a much less magical thing to say about this. Uh, <laughs> yeah. which is, sometimes I'm trying to solve a coding problem and I like, you Google it and then you find, and someone's just spelled out solution. Here is the eight lines of code you write to do this. Like, uh, yeah. one in, in, I think it was Gunpoint or maybe Heatsink showed like, I just I have two lines. I want to know if they cross. So I can give you the start coordinate of one, the end coordinate of the other of one, and then the start coordinate of the other and the end coordinate of the other. Do they cross? Where do they cross? And there's just an algorithm. I, look, I googled it and I found an algorithm for it. I'm like, do I credit this person? Yeah, because <laughs> they didn't invent it. They got it from somewhere else. Like it's just this is a known thing. It was invented like a hundred years ago or more. I've heard people refer to this as a thousand years ago. excavating knowledge from like particularly in mathematical terms. I've just excavated that from just the facts of the universe. Yeah, like, it's like, yeah, it's it's like it's, it is a truth in it's the a truth universe, we found. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> If you haven't invented it, it doesn't belong to you. It's just the truth. Of, it's like saying, ah, oh, I've found. invented this rock I found. <laughs> <laughs> the, the nice thing is that uh, at least my preferences for coding conventions uh, like directly contravene everybody else's in the universe. <laughs> so no matter what code I'm using, I'm, I'm always going to change it like dramatically. Like, no, don't write that. Oh, God, why is your variable just called A? Call it something meaningful. Like, why is the bracket on that line? Put it on that line. <laughs> <laughs> Tom's arbitrary date. Yeah. <laughs> I think well, my position, this is also a Dactronics thing, which is, or well, my answer to this, which is, it's not so much that, like, um, you know, I think I would necessarily surprise the creator of the game with my solution, because I don't really think that's possible. I think the effect that I would seek to have on, specifically on Zach Bart, that's what we're talking about here. <laughs> How can we affect Zach? Yeah. Would be a sort of, like, despair. As, <laughs> as I've made a huge fucking mess. Like, I think, I think about Infinity Factory, because that was a game that allowed for, like, I've talked about the machine that makes benches forever, is by accident. But, like, there's one, one of the missions in that has, it's a really clever idea, it has you, like, process trees, and you got, like, shred all the leaves off the trees, and, like, the, the tree's actually pretty massive, like, because it's blocks, but it's like, they're pretty massive objects, quite complicated. And you've got to refine them into logs. And I trust that there are intelligent people in the world who have created an elegant way of doing this. But I had just created, like, a kind of bespoke saw hell. Like, <laughs> custom designed to specifically, like, render the least efficient log. At the maximum loss of tree. Like, <laughs> like, it was like, you know, whatever, like, the size of the log needed to be, there's some central core of the tree that I would just sort of, like, strip with, like, conveyor belts and things that would punt it around inside this shaker until, like, a tiny sliver of wood came out. And it was deeply inefficient. And, um, and obviously maybe he anticipates that people would do that, but, because it is technically a solution to the puzzle. But it's so against the spirit of the thing that I, I think it might offend someone, maybe him, <laughs> and that that is satisfying <laughs> in some way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the one thing I wanted around Paper Open Magnum is like there's there's a graph for fewer cycles, there's a graph for least space, there's a graph for cost, but there is you're only ever optimizing for one thing and everything else is 100% irrelevant. If you mm. want to get lower cycles, it doesn't matter how much money you spend, it doesn't matter how much space you take, 100% irrelevant. There's no advantage to making it smaller. There's no mm. advantage to making it cheaper. And I always kind of wanted like at least one mode where it's kind of a balance. And I also thought you could kind of change it per puzzle. So like this puzzle, it's kind of interesting if you like make cycles a priority, but the other things are also important. Uh, and on this puzzle, it's actually more interesting if you make slides a priority and the other things are kind of important. Um... But you could also, that'd be kind of interesting. But then also, if you want to make, just make players feel good, like whatever solution they do, you just 
pick a balance of like, oh, we're going to say that because you've used very little space, we're going to say space is super important. And your next most efficient thing was um, cost. And we'll say that's second most important. And then cycles is less less important. And here's your combined score for that. And your friends actually didn't beat you. So <laughs> if they want to beat you, they, you know, they can try this. But uh, like you could cherry pick it so that whatever the player did, you kind of find ways to make that, that clever, give them credit yeah. for it. Like, oh, well done. You did this in a really... <laughs> cool way yeah that's a nice idea I like the prizes for everything yeah, yeah. Mm. millennial seems like <laughs> you've <laughs> you really spent a lot of time on this well done for putting so much effort in <laughs> we, yeah that doesn't even solve the you solve your own puzzle for you in uh, in gunpoint if you take a really long time over a level we call it thoughtful rather than slow <laughs> well done for thinking this through really thoroughly good job the do- you got a phone call <laughs> Uh, our next question comes from uh, Sparrow, um, who writes, uh, I recently saw Adam Jensen at a coffee shop and was not surprised in the slightest to learn that his preferred frappe size is venti. Yeah. I didn't get this. I had to have explained to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the, there is an additional... Um, uh, additional Adam Jensen joke, but I'm, I'm not giving you two. You don't get two. You have to pick one. That one was too much already. <laughs> Favorite shout outs in games is the question. Having just played, uh, through its first few levels, I quite enjoyed the reference to Sonic at the beginning of Bayonetta and how it slyly hints at the importance of flow, unimpeded momentum and archaic mechanics like level scoring systems. A rabbit hole that leads to thoughts about tradition and rebelling against a past one is tethered to. Themes of the game so far, Jesus Christ, this sentence. The themes of the game so far seems to explore both mechanically and narratively. It's also a very silly shout out, of course. I liked how Crosscode handles its shout outs as well, mostly relegating these to the flavor text of random drops. Said flavor text can be safely ignored, so the references avoid becoming obnoxious and in your face. Thanks for the wonderful pods about your adventures in gaming. <laughs> Ooh. 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 So we read this in the break and I said, I hate shout outs and crossovers and I'm against them. And I think Smash Brothers is a travesty. (laughs) (laughs) I've never played it, but also uh, (laughs) it it wouldn't help me much to play it because I also don't play any of the games that it involves. (laughs) So uh, it has no, uh, no cachet with me. Oh, we've got to do it. Then as I said that, Chris seemed to suggest a counterpoint to this. Yeah, right. So like I didn't really necessarily have an answer to this until Tom had an answer for it. (laughs) And I think that answer, not that I don't think you're right in principle. I think you're wrong for yourself. <laughs> I don't think what, you think that. What do I like? <laughs> here's, here's why. Here's why. Um, because, so you don't, so what all a crossover is, is when law meets other law. And you don't care about law. <laughs> you just want to get straight to the mechanics. So why does it matter that Sonic is hanging out with, I don't know, Solid Snake and Kirby? I, well, I don't care about either of those two characters, but... <laughs> Like, so I've, I've had, uh, there are a lot of indie games actually that, that sort of aim to be the Smash Brothers of indie. Like, we're gonna make a beat em up and it's gonna have characters from like Super Meat Boy and, and mm. Braid and, uh, and, um, some of those people have come to me and said, hey, can we have Gunpoint in it? Apparently I once said yes to this <laughs> breakfast at GDC Europe. <laughs> I had to hastily withdraw, they send a follow up, you know, like a few weeks later saying, oh, thanks for agreeing to this. Like, here's what we're planning. I'm like, oh, fuck, I didn't want to do that shit. What did I say? I'm sorry. No, I didn't mean to say yes to that. Um, was it, fi- it was Firewatch, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> that, <laughs> that mashup beat em up. <laughs> 
<laughs> of the indie world. Um, and I, I don't know. I just like the, I feel like each character was built for the universe they're in and that they make sense in that universe and they don't make sense in the other universe. Like, but, but making sense in the universe is law, Tom. So, yeah, I think you've pointed out something. There are very, lots of games. Very interesting. Lots of games that where fracture. I don't care about the law because I don't like, just didn't, it just failed to engage me. It's not mm. that I inherently don't care about any story or character or fiction or universe no, or anything. You said earlier, you, they, you have, they have to, they have to work for it, right? Like a game, yeah. you don't care by default. You want to get straight to the mechanics. Yep. So how is this different? Uh, so I still care about the characters and the world, mm. but I'm often not invested in your particular character and world if you're presenting a game to me that has not yet sold me on why the game is interesting. Well, once the game is interesting, I do care about those things. So like uh, with games I like, I, I do care about the characters and the, the world and the fiction. And if you like, I don't know, if you put, let me think of an example where it would be really, really offensive. Like... I actually kind of bristled a bit about having like Dragon Age armor in Mass Effect. I'm like, oh, yeah, really? Come yeah. on. <laughs> and like, I didn't read the codex entries for those, either of those games, but I was invested in the characters and the world and having them cross in that way was offensive to me. It was like, oh, but this isn't a medieval game. Like, Dragon Age doesn't exist in this universe. Don't pretend it. Yeah, like, they... When you do that, all I hear is franchises. I just like, the fiction yeah. is broken. Now I'm just saying your yeah. franchise A they and did, franchise they B. They did try and play to that because it was supposed to be like, this stylized armor for an earth space football team teamed around <laughs> dragons. That was literally the picture for the Dragon yeah. Age armor in Mass Effect. No, apparently you have to make it an <laughs> But no, but like, yeah. Labored. Like, it was like the Toronto Dragons or something. <laughs> but or the Edmonton Dragons, because where Bioware's okay, based. Yeah. Did you all see Guybrush Threepwood uh, appear in that Star Wars game? With a look. Oh, yeah. What? Looking very sad in the rain with a lightsaber. <laughs> what, what Star yeah. Wars game? It really happened. It was the, um, it was the second. Uh, I can't remember what the series was even called. It was um the second of the kind of third person action game where you, the you Star Wars Unleashed. One. Star Wars Unleashed yeah. Two. Force I think. Unleashed. Force Unleashed. Yeah. Force Unleashed. That's all right. Yeah. Force Unleashed Two. Uh, I think it was the second one had Guybrush Threepwood. Yeah, it was a really bad, crossover character because Lucasfilm, right? Like, yep. Mm. It's all the same universe. Yeah. <laughs> Just mash those I think that, that stuff. That like I think I. I mean, I'm not. I don't really. I've never really played Smash Brothers. But like, it's just a big old cauldron full of a box of toys. Wha- yeah. yeah, all in Nintendo settings are a box stuff. of toys. It's like I, I would argue, like in some ways, it's barely a crossover because all Nintendo stuff is kind of like that. Yeah, but like even Blizzard you know, are really going big on this now. Yeah, like. like Heroes of the Storm. Is that the name of the game? Or is yep. it just yeah. a series of words? <laughs> Both. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just, uh, it's a, it's an, they're Smash Brothers, I guess. It's, a, you know, crossover all their games and they don't try and m- merge the fictions. It's just, they, they, oh. they have now. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, dear. Yeah, See, that, that's I know. the wrong I know. thing they, to do. They've added the first characters that are exclusively from Heroes of the Storm. Oh, okay. oh right. In order oh, but they add. had to give them some sort of they're narrative the background. <laughs> the franchise next is that a town outside swindon <laughs> yeah yeah from, from the, the the really big roundabout the cosplayers from from near swindon no yeah yeah exactly it's um it's I, I don't think it's well i mean you know how i feel about blessed storytelling like it's <laughs> it's weird because like, i i quite like smash like and yeah, i like smash in um most of the kind of kind of games coverage community and i'm in like i feel like a, a, a loner for liking mm. smash really 
Yeah. I thought this, I, I know my Twitter feed's full of Smash fans. Like, oh, Twitter loves Smash. But, like, so. It's cause you, you, all you, whenever you think of Smash, you just think of Tom's disapproving <laughs> face. It's cause I spend all day every day just bad mouthing Smash, Smash on Twitter. <laughs> like, fucking Tom, Smash. Did you watch Mario does not belong in so, the same universe as I that think, person from Animal Crossing whose name I can't remember because I, I never played it or Mario. I think for two different reasons, you would genuinely enjoy the most recent Smash Bros. trailer where everyone dies. <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. Did, you, did you see this? No, it's, it's fucking a, incredible. Yeah, it's like honestly, God, like no one is having more fun than that team. The, the, the yeah. trailer opens with all of the characters from all of the video games stood on a cliff, <laughs> talking to each other about how they might not survive this. So good. And meanwhile, giant hands descend from the sky that are flanking a huge kind of like cosmic entity the hands disintegrate turn into rainbow lasers that chase and incinerate every single beloved <laughs> character at once and there's loads of moments of little visual wit in it like solid snake just tries to hide in a box and gets completely <laughs> annihilated by it there's a moment where sonic slows down just slightly to try and help pikachu and they both get fucking killed and the, the <laughs> like yep. the, like yeah like captain falco tries to get in his car gets fucked up completely or whatever <laughs> like, like the f-zero car like you see uh, the the bird one whose name i've completely forgotten from Star Fox. <laughs> The, yeah, the, Birdo. <laughs> not Falcor. Um, is it Falcor? <laughs> it's Birdo, yeah. Birdo, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> the one who survives is a joke, is a smash joke in and of itself. Yeah. I'm not sure what's this. Is, uh, yeah, well, there's one of them who survives. And then it breaks into song as that character <laughs> p- picks themselves up and looks over the blasted wilderness of what's become yep. of the world. This, this is real, everyone. This is this real. Is this is real not a dream. <laughs> it's one of the best video game trailers ever made. Um, and it is only I think possible. I know it survives now because of, yeah. of the memes. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's, it, that intro, I actually wish we could stop the podcast so I could show you that trailer now. <laughs> it's fucking <laughs> remarkable. Yeah. Can anyone tell me about Kingdom Hearts? <laughs> oh, that's a whole it's a general thing. thing like i i am this is something lost. that completely yeah passed me by i have i have friends my age who swear by it and i think we're playing playstation games at the right time yeah i this seems like the, i seriously don't give a, a twinkly fuck to me about an, it. Yeah, an almost yeah, more offensive it. transgression of my like don't cross the universes thing because like they cross the universes but it's also like really story driven and like it's just the idea of a fucking complex. square fucking but, rpg like yeah. blando fucking <laughs> Lando Calrissian, <laughs> which is now a Disney property, <laughs> like occupying the fucking stage with with Goofy. Goofy. What if None Mickey Mouse had beef with Sephiroth? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Like, is, yeah, people that's... love it, and I never want to like harsh anyone. Yeah, melon, exactly. You know, like but sure, sure, sure. Like because obviously, like it could be really fun. Because well, I mean, because I think also like it's almost a test, right? It's like it's the thing you like more absurd than this, and I can't with any comfort, <laughs> any degree of confidence say no. I really um, want to play it. It sounds <laughs> so berserk that I mean that, that's why I like Smash as well. Like it's, it's just smashing all these together. In a weird way, I think I maybe more, like, I, I know for sure I'll never want to play it. <laughs> I never want anything to do with it. But I, I don't resent anybody liking it. I think partly because it's so, like, on its sleeve. Like, it's just, all of the things that, I, that are absurd and wrong about it are just inherently the concept. But no, but everyone have, who likes it is 100% invested in to that. To an extent, okay, but have you read the plot? It's like I've, it, it is as insanely in depth as any square thing, yeah. like which takes itself really seriously. There are characters. There's there's real grief and God knows what. Like <laughs> it doesn't make any. Like, sense. That's what's like, amazing about worse. it is like I I, I read that I'm a sorry. lot about it, but I saw a bunch of Kingdom Hearts three when I was hanging out with the 
PlayStation Access team to do Cyberpunk stuff for uh, EGX because they had a stage thing. And it was kind of incredible because watching it from my perspective is like watching what video games must look like to someone who has <laughs> yes. the lowest possible opinion of video games. Yeah, yeah. Like, this is like a really weird pastiche of things that just don't go together at all. Like, the level I saw was the Toy Story level. And so it's like edgy square characters in long coats and Mick and Goofy and Mickey Mouse talking to Woody and Buzz. <laughs> And, and like the, uh, you know, it's actual Tom Hanks or something. You know what I mean? Like, and it's mm-hmm. like, and 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 the, the 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 fucking dinosaur from Toy Story comes along and goes like, "Well, the power demons went that way," and you're like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> like, uh, maybe that was goofy. You know what I mean? And it's like, and then they have to find the power demons, but then like Elsa and Thingy from Frozen are there, <laughs> and it's like, I, you know, this is like, a, pff, I'm, uh, I just turned to ash, <laughs> blow away. <laughs> there is, there is a, a counter question here though, like. What would, what, who would be in PC Smash? Oh, wow. <laughs> oh. It's a big question. It's a big question. Into the breach. Is it, is it too big Robot. for this podcast? Um, what, the mechs or the characters? Uh, a mech and yeah. a character. Like, obviously, a Deus Exman. Obviously, a Gordon Freeman. Jenston. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> oh, old Jenston. Um, Kane from, <laughs> Kane from Command and Conquer. Yeah, that's good cool. Um, Gordon Freeman just saying nothing. Yeah. Doing um, nothing. Actually, isn't he already on Smash or something? Yeah. <laughs> oh, you need those kind of surreal ones, so like a Darwinian, like one of, you know. I, I love how all the PC yeah. characters in this so far are very like, mute and socially awkward characters. Yeah. Like, it's just not, not a question. <laughs> it's, like, it's like a pub car park Fucking fight so far. Character like from outside. Skyrim. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. that's, but that is, that, that is some of the stuff in, in Smash where, where the, the, the faceless, the faceless, uh, gym in, the fitness instructor from We Fit. Oh, I love that as well. Yeah, it's so good. That's so like, funny. there's a real it's sense of football it's manager. So funny. <laughs> oh, oh, the, that oh, is yes. football manager. Like, yeah. Yeah. Football manager. That is the He belongs to us. Time. Like, yeah, Sonic and All Stars Racing. Surely you like crossovers. Of that. <laughs> I haven't played it yet. Uh, it I'm open incredible. to it. Um, I would say actually, the question I mentioned Bayonetta, but Bayonetta's crossovers I think are really good because it's not just references, it's like the fact that the, ha- the Angel Halos are Sonic rings and like the, the whole, like afterburner tribute that kicks in that halfway through that game it's full of these little nods to yeah. other sega stuff and it's because it's from the like a family of this just, it's just it's consistent within the context of sega's arcade history for some reason so i'm i'm fine with it actually i must admit uh gunpoint has an airplane reference in it and i remember this because somebody specifically said like oh it's great that this game doesn't have like meme like humor and doesn't reference other pop culture things and i thought shit fucking airplane <laughs> yeah it's just the <laughs> don't call me shirley thing oh yeah yeah <laughs> yeah I, I struggle with this a bit with Hackman because I, I genuinely don't like, I don't like sort of pop culture. Like, so I think maybe that's the, the hair I split is I like crossovers in terms of characters. But when it's like, that's a deliberate thing, you can have fun with it. I think it can be quite, quite cool. Mm. Like, I, you know, there's lots of opportunities for wit. I'm not a big fan of like, just dumping lots of things, you know, from movies into yeah. something. Oh, like, yeah. Here's the thing you've like, recognized. Shot. Like, recognized. If there's a theme to the, even if the theme is mad, like Smash Brothers is just characters from video games and that's really broad. But like, if there's a theme, that's fine. Um, so with Hackman, I tried to like undo a lot of it and give it a more specific kind of voice. Cause when I first came to it, it, it was, and not, not in a bad way, but it was like, cause it was supposed to be this sort of weird composite kind of internet of the future mm. full of everything that's so been on the would, internet. It would naturally, it would naturally have, have all of that yeah. stuff and lots of references to like 90s hacking movies and things, which makes sense. But there was a, you know, I kind of wanted to help steer it away from like to allow it to have its own jokes, basically, like rather than, you know, which it did, but like to draw more attention to like, oh, these are ones and this is our thing rather than just, 
like hacking the Gibson. Exactly. I would say if anyone listening has ideas for PC Smash, please email yeah, me. Like so and uh, I think like <laughs> uh, Corvo and Emily as kind of a dual character would yeah. be pretty fucking sweet <laughs> in PC Smash. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but it's just all. I mean, what we're talking about really is like immersive Sim Smash at the moment. Immersive <laughs> Sim like, Smash. Uh, I'll take it. I'll I will. Take it. I will play as Andrew Ryan. <laughs> golf club. Yeah. The golf club, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which is basically the multiplayer mode yeah. for Bioshock. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone remembers. There was, yeah. a, there was amazingly. Oh my a, god! There was a golf club mode where everyone yeah. ran around with golf clubs. It was that was yeah, that's that was oh extraordinary. That was the peak of that series, if you ask me. I didn't know about that. <laughs> yep. Yep. I think I did an article, I think I was doing the website for PC Gamer at the time, which is like part of computervideogames.com, and I did an article just sort of just admitting video games are beyond parody. <laughs> <laughs> I can't think of anything dumber than this. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of us, like, because we, we really have, in terms of PC Smash, we've really stuck to the shooter legacy there to some extent. I'm trying mm. to think if there's other, like, specific standouts. A sim. A sim, yeah. You'd have Minsk and Boo. from CNC. Yeah, that's, yeah, I, I, yeah. You'd have, you'd have Minsk and Boo, and Boo would be like kind of projectile thing and you throw at people. And yeah. Kane versus Arthas, I would watch, actually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That would settle the like, scene. The, the ham off. Like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Arthas is going on it's like Frostmourne and CNC. <laughs> and and Kane, yeah. Is no, that's literally, that, that is just a, like a speed eating competition. It's just they're eating scenery. Like that's the. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine if you could play Shodan. Who's just in the code? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I yeah, think I think Shodan's a level. Break the break the level. I think Shodan's a level, not a yeah, not yeah, a character yeah. necessarily. Oh, should be Glados good. would be a good one, um, or just a companion or cube. A good level, basically a good. Portal <laughs> I mean, if it's Chell, then she can make the portals. And that's, that's true. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. Chell, yeah, yeah, that makes more sense. Yeah, it does make more sense than the thing I said. Um, an IL two Sturmovic from IL two. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, yeah, that's, that's where it gets good. Is like just Hello, I'm a plane. <laughs> the farming simulator tractor. Yes. Oh, that's, that's yes. We're getting into it now. That's it's more like oh, it. A Willy from Rust or um, yeah. or Conan. Conan. Oh, what, like what's the, the German bus simulator? Uh, um, uh, Omni, Omni. Omzi, uh, omnibus simulator. Like the, yeah, the, the bendy bus from Omzi. <laughs> <laughs> just lands on people. Yeah. yeah. Lands on Gordon Freeman, who says nothing in response. Exactly. <laughs> just a really, really polluting HGV from bus. From um, yeah. <laughs> what's it called? Not bus simulator. That's the like, city from SimCity. No, okay. <laughs> the whole city. <laughs> Gandhi the city. from Civilization. Who <laughs> <laughs> fires nukes? That's <laughs> his basic attack. All right, this this game needs this needs game, to be yeah. made. <laughs> wow! Like, imagine the license Gandhi you're going to have to Omnibus versus <laughs> Very good. versus Corvo. That's good. <laughs> yeah, nailed it. Good. Uh, our final question of the evening comes from Emil, who writes, uh, Hi guys, this question is primarily for Tom Francis, uh, but it would of course be interesting to hear each of your opinions on this. Thanks. Ooh, we'll find out. A lot, of- <laughs> 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 a lot of immersive sims have a couple of cool powers or spells or gear, depending on the fiction, that have some sort of cost attached to them because it would be overpowered to use them all the time. Uh, some, an example is how you have to refill your power juice bar in Dishonored and Bioshock by using consumables. My question is, what do you think is the best way to refill your power juice? Consumables, self-recharging, etc. Uh, and then uh, they say that personally, uh, when they play Dishonored, they feel, you know, that the, the old kind of choice anxiety about whether to spend or save mm-hmm. uh, power-ups. Um, and the tension between that and, and defend that death of the outsider's recharging system. 
Uh, and he does not add, uh, he does add, uh, this worked wonderfully in heat signature, by the way, with some gear being one-offs, some recharged every mission, and some self-charging, which is true, but I do like the choice to explain that to you, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that's uh, from Emil. Thank you very much, Emil. Uh, yeah, this is a subject I'm very interested in. Um, and it's, immersive sims very often do have like a, a universal like mana bar or energy bar or whatever they call it. And it has, the drawback of that is that you, uh, if you have an ability that's effective, you might as well just keep using that one because everything drains the mana bar, right? You know, uh, if you have like the dual takedown in Deus Ex Human Revolution, it's amazing, but it costs an energy. And so you don't really want to spend your energy on anything else because that's so useful. So you just do that over and over again, which reduces variety. And so I actually think it's better to have uh, individual cooldowns so that each ability can't be used, you know, repeatedly in a row. But if you switch between them, then you, uh, you know, uh, each thing has its own cooldown, so you can you can keep doing that sustainably. There is. If you can do that limitlessly, then you can just have like a killer combo where like this ability works right after that one and they both, their cooldowns sync up so that you can just keep using those two forever. Uh, so it does make sense to have some kind of universal resource. I actually think like Diablo 3 yeah. sets up a good model for this where you have like some abilities that build your resource and some abilities that consume it. And so the ones that consume it are obviously more powerful. The ones that build it, like when I first played Diablo 3, it's hard to kind of think back that far now, but it was bizarre to think I have this ability like, uh, you know, electrocutes like five people and it builds my mana. <laughs> this doesn't, mm. not only does it not cost me any mana, it gains me mana. And then I spend that mana on other stuff, which seems like too good to be true at first. And then you realize like, oh no, the other stuff is even better. Yeah. And this is like the pattern I go through now. I, I cast this one to charge that one. And actually, um, closer to the immersive sim genre, um, some of the Splinter Cell games do this. Like, you, if you do enough melee takedowns, that charges your... No, it's the, not, not your pistol exactly, but your ability to, like, mark, like, seven people with your pistol and shoot them all at once. He can't, like, he just can't get it. He can't get it just, out if he hasn't snapped a neck. I don't feel good enough about myself until I've, until I've murdered a few people. It's, that is something... Like, if I can't even break a guy's neck, how am I going to shoot them with a pistol? I just don't feel I can do it. He's got to build up to it. He's got to build up to it. He likes to eat the veg. Before having the meat and spice, <laughs> if you know what I mean, like <laughs> it's, it lacks in gameplay logic. I'll give you yeah. that, <laughs> or fictional logic. I guess he's just itching yeah. to snap a neck, and then then he's then he's cool. Then he's cool for a couple of minutes. <laughs> he's got at least one in him after that. So that that is partly why heat signature does not have a mana resource, and the, like your the items you use don't consume anything that they share. Uh, but I'm aware I've already set off the. Chris Thurston Humblebrag alarm in two podcasts. <laughs> so I'll focus on a negative of heat signature, which is... Sorry, that- I feel like I picked on you with that. <laughs> uh, in heat signature, I thought that, oh, we can just do it with items. Like, they will just, you know, instead of you gaining an ability and being able to reuse that limitlessly, which is the cool thing in, in Deus Ex and Dishonored and stuff, uh, it can just be an item and the item self-charges. And self-charges and items are, you know, um, more exciting to find than like a rechargeable item because it's limitless. But I thought in my head, like, there's no reason for it to be an ability. It can just be an item, and that's cool. That's just mm. as good as it being an ability. I actually don't think in practice it felt that way. It is cool to have a self-charging item, but it's not as good as, like, putting a skill point into your character, just being able to do that forever. Mm. There's something about that that is, like, I am changing who I am in this world. This is my role. I'm defining who this character is. Whereas when you pick up, like, a self-charging swapper in his signature, 
you're not really making that kind of permanent commitment. You're just saying like, oh, I'm carrying this item. It's, it's a cool item. It's, it's great. And it's very powerful. If I find a better one, I'll replace it. Um, and that is somehow fundamentally different, even to games where like you put the point into the skill and then later you can respec it for a trivial cost. Mm. Like technically that's another game where you can just change your skills out and they're not permanent. But the fact that it's called a skill and the fact that you're putting a skill point into it and you're customizing your character in some way has a different feel to it than just picking up an item. Mm. And so I underestimated the importance of that, I think. But now I think you're being too modest. <laughs> God, I can't win. <laughs> it's interesting that uh, John Che was talking about. Uh, so, so in Void Bastards, uh, the idea is that um, ammo is scarce and it's a response to, it's an attempt to make players swap out what they use, like not get to, you know, overuse one particular thing they like, you know, try to experiment and use the, the items they get across the board. And um, it's kind of in response partly to the Bioshock system, which had one mana system, yeah. which provided everything. If you liked Electrobolt, there was no reason, the game yeah. gave you no reason ever to not just use that. Mm-hmm. And kind and of. Once you'd sunk points in upgrading it, you had even less reason to use it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, you, so as, as long as, as soon as you sort of allow people to invest, like give, you know, sole asset, uh, solely invest in one thing, then that's a bit of crap. Mm. I think there's, um, this is quite a pedantic point, but UI is a massive part of how these systems interact, like particularly. Mm. And, uh, so in Diablo, you, you do have this dual system of cooldowns plus a resource that some of these cooldowns are going to suck from and some of them are not, you know, and how that's presented has a massive effect on how the abilities feel and how complicated or awkward it feels. Uh, so if you have uh, an ability that recharges every so often, and it pops into the bottom of your screen and flashes and you know it's back and you can use it. That feels good. But I've been playing the, um, played Diablo on Switch recently mm. and, and Diablo on Switch really struggles with this where, uh, the UI on Switch is just so inefficient compared to how it's presented to you on a larger screen mm. with Diablo on PC. And you, you find yourself just kind of mashing buttons randomly, kind of hoping for things ah. to be recharged. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it has a huge impact on the way that you feel like you're managing your character. You feel like less in, in control of your character. Mm. In, even if you've designed a build, just simply just the way the UI displays when stuff is up or down, the, the system is really nice and uh, it's really complex and like it's a good kind of skill system, but that presentation failure ruins it. It's funny because I, I actually, I played a shitload of um, uh, Diablo on uh, PS4, which has the same interface as mm. Switch. And, um, I got used to the mm. way that I knew where to look. Basically, I knew bottom, where to look. Was it all crammed into the bottom left of the screen? Bottom left corner, yeah, looking yeah. at a little ring, looking at the bottom left corner. Um, and I got used to it. And I just, because of after the, after BlizzCon, I thought, oh, I was, you know, let's get a little, second. get a little tinkle back mm. on PC version, which I hadn't played for a long time. I just didn't know where to look anymore. So it <laughs> might, you might not normalize to it, but, yeah. but I, I agree with, I totally agree with your point. More broadly, like if you're going to have things recharge or use resource, it, uh, this is a, a real problem with Warframe as well, which I've been playing loads recently. It's really hard to see what's sucking your energy away and what's re- regaining it. Mm. And I always, I always want something in the center of the screen that's saying that to me. It's like, <laughs> oh, um, but you know, it doesn't have to be the icon flashing up in the middle of the screen, but something that just like 
a, a, a bump or a glow or something, a little signal that says, oh, something is recharged. And I can glance to the bottom left and yeah. say, oh, that's gone, you know. Uh, and I, uh, so you can design a beautifully managed kind of resource system, but unless the player is in control of all that information, I don't think it's going to be satisfying. Mm-hmm. Hmm. <laughs> Sorry. P.S. I'm not a game designer. <laughs> awesome. Well, that is all of the questions we've got time for. If you'd like to send us a question for a future episode, you can email us at questions at com. You can tweet us at Crate and Crowbar. You can find our website at crateandcrowbar.com, which is also where you will find link to our Discord channel, which is very nice. We have a YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash Crate and Crowbar. Just podcast on it though, because we keep not doing the other things we say <laughs> we'll do. We've got uh, a Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Crate and Crowbar. Thank you to everyone who backs us on Patreon. Uh, and you may, if you wish, follow us as individuals. I'm on Twitter at C Thurston. That's C-T-H-U-R-S-T-E-N. Hi, Tom Senior. I am at PCG Ludo. I don't really do Twitter anymore, but hello anyway. <laughs> I'm uh, Rotational, R-O-T-A-T-I-O-N-A-L. That's it done. And hmm. I, Tom F, am at Pentadact, P-E-N-T-A-D-A-C-T. Thanks, Thanks for listening. listening.